Bank of America, you've got General Motors. Anybody sit back and well, I don't know what happened, but we, it's hard to believe, but we lost several trillion dollars, and we don't know where it is or what happened. Who would believe that from anybody other than the Pentagon? And it's a frightening number, because it raises the question, is the government simply that incompetent, or... Is the government that corrupt? Well, they're just stealing. They stole it. That's all. They just stole several trillion dollars. Ah, so what? And they're just going to sit there and stonewall. And the public would say, well, what happened? What happened? To, wasn't that the public's tax dollars? I mean, they say, well, we don't, yeah, well, you know, this is, you know, the fog of war. Ha, ha, ha. The fog of government. All right. That's the fog you really have to deal with. The fog of war, you can deal with that. But the fog of government, that's something that was fog created by something that makes the mafia look like Boy Scouts. Well, you know, earlier today also, not to change topics, but and you can get back by just one, because we mm-hmm. talked about this earlier, but today the Senate, earlier today the Senate overwhelmingly voted 97-1 to override Obama's veto of the 9-11 victims bill. So, and that's, so we'll be able to sue so the Saudi families, Arabians? The families of 9-11 victims, uh, will, this will allow them to sue Saudi Arabia over its involvement in supporting the attackers in the lead-up to 9-11, as detailed in the 28 pages from the 9-11 report. Uh, Saudis have uh, threatened to crash the U.S. Treasury markets in retaliation for the bill. Um, so even while Obama had heavily lobbied after the veto, as did the Saudi government, I guess it ultimately didn't amount to very many lawmakers changing sides. In See, the, the Saudis vote. just didn't have enough money to bribe. They're broke. Saudis are having a problem, some financial problems, because of the, the low price of all crude oil. And well, the, listen and to the this, supply listen, glut, and therefore yeah. they can't bribe politicians the way they did in the past. Well, listen to this. Defense Secretary Carter, he also lobbied, warning it threatens the troops and that the lawsuits against Saudi Arabia might make public certain American secrets that would harm national security. Oh, yeah. He did not elaborate on what secrets the U.S. might have relevant to a bill regarding pre-9-11 planning. But again, uh, are we going to get the truth about bin Laden? Uh, what, what other truths are we going to get? Oh, uh, that Laden, really, uh, uh, George W. Bush, Bush Dick Cheney. Yep. Yep. The truth, you know, if we ever get the real truth on this thing, it's going to be something revolutionary. So now we'll have to see uh, if uh, government doesn't make some sort of a financial arrangements with the family. Kind of like dealing with Iran. Just give them enough cash, they'll be happy. Well, I'm sure the government will try to uh, make some sort of arrangements with the, the victims' uh, uh, families to, you know, stave off any type of. Uh, it's hard lawsuits. to say. It's hard to say what's going to happen here, but uh, they said they didn't want to allow this because they were afraid that if if we allow Americans to sue Saudis, then it would. It would might compel us to allow foreigners <laughs> to sue our government for whatever stunts it's pulled in the world. And they don't want that melody. They don't want to be held accountable for whatever they've been doing, whatever they've been up to. So, you know, they have to maintain 
a system of government that allows the political crooks to get away with it. Because once you start holding some political crooks accountable, where does it end, Melody? Well, you know, soon you're holding funny. them all accountable, and then what? Well, you know, what's funny is in Obama's arguments against this, when he's talking about that dangerous precedent for American taxpayers, as these countries could reciprocate, setting up lawsuits against the U.S. government for its own substantial misdeeds. So he's claiming, hey, yeah, (laughs) there are a lot of misdeeds out there that, uh, you know. Yeah, there's lots of misdeeds. I mean... It might be that if we allow the people, the victims of 9-11 to sue Saudi Arabia, what's to keep the victims from suing the United States government? You know, there's half the people in the country suspect that that 9-11 was some sort of a false flag, Mm -hmm. uh, a false flag operation that was blamed on the Muslims, but probably there's high probability that Muslims didn't do it. They may have been... Party in the sense that they were props, but they didn't. They weren't actually responsible. Again, anybody who's they seen Building Seven fall, it dropped like just just pancake that looked exactly like an explosion, an implosion. Uh, looked like that implosion technology, and it can't have happened. Just Silverstein, yeah, Silverstein, whatever. Saying pull it, and it's yeah, on no. audio. Yeah. Pull it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, once see the government. Oh. Suing the Saudis. <laughs> I hope you people get enough money out of the Saudis where you don't bother suing the government because, gosh, you know, goodness knows, government doesn't want to get into that. We're talking about national security, though. That was part of their their promise that we don't want this. We don't want these lawsuits because it would be adversely impact national security. You know what national security means, Melody? You tell us, Al. It means government security. Mm-hmm. All right. And say, oh, this is national security, and we can't tell anybody what's going on here for national security. As if they're doing something to protect you and me and the other people in the audience for this program. They're not protecting us. National security is an excuse for the government to conceal its own offenses, crimes, and acts of treason. They call it national security in the same way that Don Alfredo or Don Corleone uh, he could have claimed it was national security that he can't talk about whatever the mafia has done. Uh, it's just the whole system becomes shameless. It's embarrassing. It's the sort of thing where you look at this and there was a time when you, when you could believe in this country. And I know a lot of people probably still do, but a lot of people don't. Right? And it's not something that any of us take any satisfaction in? I'm certainly skeptical about the goodness that certainly we find in government. I don't trust the government. And it's not because I have an axe to grind and I want to just, you know, get at these guys. I don't. And it bothers me. It's not something I say with pride. I don't trust the government. I'm proud of it. No, I'm not. I'm ashamed to live in a country where you can't trust your own government, although it may be true. I don't know what country you can live in where you can trust the government. I mean, government is always, always a dangerous concept. And I'm not, I, I'm not arguing that we should have no government. I'm not an anarchist or something like that. I just know government, government and corruption, the two words should be synonymous. 
we could use just one of them. We don't need to say corruption anymore. Just say government. We'll all know what you mean. Um, it's embarrassing. It's shameful. And it, I wish my world did not include the observations I just made. We'll be back tomorrow to make some more observations, and they will hopefully be observations that we all enjoy or find interesting. Uh, see you tomorrow. Hope you tune in at that time. In the meantime, with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. NewMana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your NewMana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. NewMana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's NewMana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress, pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? 
live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on Current News and Events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. Well, we are going to get on with it. This is not Doc Green. I'm filling in for Doc Green for a few minutes, uh, however many minutes that might be. Doc's running a little late today, and uh, I'm just going to fill in for the first few minutes. So, welcome to the amazing Doc Green Show. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network, and I probably should give you the where when we are. Just so you know, it's live. It's Thursday, September 29th. 2016. It's about five minutes after 11 a.m. Pacific time. So get out the calculator, do the math, figure out, you know, well, I guess first you got to figure out where you are, and then you can figure out what time it is where you are, and uh, do the math between that and where I am at 11.05 and a half. So, okay. Now, one thing that I... I want to mention to all you folks out there, that last ad you heard, I actually have been just really going over the website because I don't, you know, I don't jump into things easily. I'm not a very trusting man when it comes to people selling things, but when something sounds good, I will look at it. And when I look at it and it looks good, sounds good, well, then I'm interested, and I've got to really start looking at it. And the self-defense fund looks really good to me. Thank God I've never had to be in a situation like that. But if you do find yourself in a situation like that, depending on what state you're in, the more aggressive it could be. And what I'm talking about is somebody attacks you. You defend yourself and shoot them. Now, maybe you don't kill him. Maybe you do kill him. You have acted in self-defense with a weapon. And from what I understand, it doesn't even have to be a gun. They will defend you if you are, you know, I, I don't know how you would, would you be considered a member, or I guess you'd be a member. And I found the, uh, the pricing uh, phenomenal. Now, granted, what are your chances of getting in a situation like that? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you own guns, your chances just went up. Now, true, if you don't own guns, maybe you'll grab a knife one day and just, uh, you know, defend yourself and uh, kill somebody and end up in a problem. But chances are gun owners are going to have more opportunity to defend themselves because they'll have the ability to defend themselves. So, yeah, you know, and the price reflects that. I mean, for one, for me, now I don't have the site in front of me, but it was $12 and something a month. And you need to go to the website, Self-Defense Fund, because I'm not going to run through all the benefits you get because they are voluminous. And and very impressive, I've got to say, because there was a uh, uh, a business 
years ago, and I don't even know if they're still around or not, but uh, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give anybody any any reason to go there because you'll be sorry. And you won't be sorry just to sign up, but you'll be sorry if you ever want to use their services. If you ever say, hey, you know, I've got this legal thing, and uh, I'm a member, and you, you know, how about defending me? And they go, well, uh, what is it? And you tell them, and they go, oh, well, that's not covered. Yeah. Or they go, okay, that's covered, and then they get in it, and they go, well, you've just hit your limit. And they're gone. That's not a good thing. Okay, that is not a good thing at all. And from what I read on on the website for Self-Defense Fund, that's not the case there. You know, so... That really isn't the case there, Frank. I mean, you're nailing it. Self-Defense Fund's an entirely different animal. It's more like a co-op. And I don't care if you got to defend your house with a rolling pin. Self-Defense Fund's going to be there, Frank. Well, yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm glad to hear you're, you're here, and the thing is, I've been really, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up myself because, uh, like I said, I'm not necessarily the most trusting person on the planet. So <laughs> when I hear a good deal, I'm like, ah, sure, let me check this out. But, you know, once you start checking it out and start doing your research and go, wow, you know, unlike the researchers that are paid by, you know, like pharma or uh, whoever. Any researcher now is paid by somebody to do the research for them. Hi there, you're a researcher? Well, I want you to research (laughs) this and find out how good it is. Ah, okay, I got it. Well, a researcher getting paid by somebody paying you to find out how good it is isn't going to find out how bad it is. Uh, (laughs) You know, so when I look at things, I'm like, I'm surprised you know, that it, it is as good as it is, and they are what they say they are, because, I don't know, you're probably familiar with the 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 legal, uh, they call it legal insurance at the time, uh, group that I was speaking about, and I don't know, there might be more than one, but there was one big one, and they, uh, they left a lot of people really disappointed and hanging mm. uh, by themselves, and it wasn't a specific thing, it was kind of like, we're we're legal insurance, but then when you read the fine print, they only, you know, they only gave you legal assistance in very uh, limited cases. Oh, we don't cover that. Nope, we don't cover that either. Nope, not that either. But, hey, if you want us to write you a will, we're there for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I'm good for that. What is it for your, for, for, uh, uh, well, one person, two people, you know, man and his wife. How much is that a month? Because I, I forget that. Well, I pay $17.50 a month, and if I ever or my, my redhead ever has to defend herself or the household, uh, we're both covered on that, and we don't have to have any money out of pocket. I mean, the second that we would be detained by the police... Uh, we simply present that card, they make the phone call, and that's it. Uh, it's all out of our hands at that point. They're going to be there to defend us. And, of course, C.J. Grisham, his uh, legal bills now are running somewhere north of $300,000, and those guys are still in the game. They're still paying for it. Wow. Wow, that's that that's impressive. And it's really something that if you are a gun owner, you need this. If you have a home, you need this, and a family oh, that you intend right. to defend. 
I want to point out, C.J. Grisham's legal bills are over $300,000. C.J. Grisham did not discharge a firearm. Wow. He simply got arrested for having one, and he had it legally. But the police in in that particular part of Texas are just out of control, and they just assumed that they would run this uh, poor little master sergeant out of money. Well, they would have if it was up to C.J. on the government payroll. Of course, now he's retired from the Army, but... Because he had selfdefensefund.com, uh, they're there with him every step of the way, and they, and they keep pulling all kinds of shenanigans and legal crap, and uh, and yet these guys are still there. This case is not over, and eventually CJ is going to get a bunch of money from the city of Temple, Texas, because of selfdefensefund.com. Yeah, it's it's the same here in Oregon. Uh, you know, in Oregon we have open carry, meaning you can strap a sidearm onto your hip and you know just walk around you don't need anybody's permission we do have to have a uh, concealed carry permit but at least we're a shall issue state but there are some jurisdictions in oregon that if you do strap a firearm to the side uh legal or not they will arrest you well you know that's the i in fact i i know of a guy that got arrested up there in oregon and he eventually did get a nice settlement from the city but it took him two or three years to do it yeah, and like you said, that's, I, I believe that's part of their strategy. It's like, look, we know we're wrong. Look, we know we could lose, but we also know we've got deep pockets and you don't. Yeah, and that's the problem, uh, you know, when you've got the entire resources. And by the way, Frank, that's why I was late, because I was testifying uh, before seven Texas senators, state senators, on uh, abuse of the taxpayer here in Texas. Oh, wow. And that's a simple situation. Several of these taxpayers were saying, well, yeah, we got redressed because we finally hired a lawyer and sued them. Well, as soon as we did that, they came around looking at it like we did. But I'm sitting here thinking the whole time while I'm testifying, Senator Paul Bettencourt and Senator uh, Lois Colcourst and uh, Senator Larry Taylor, uh, among uh, the the others that were there, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, the average guy can't afford a lawyer. You know, and that's what that's what they count on to run over the taxpayer. Sure. The good news is my senator there, he, he was livid. And especially when I told my story about how I got arrested and ended up in handcuffs, he said, there is no excuse for a Texas citizen who simply went down to question his taxes getting in handcuffs. No excuse for that. Well, no, and but, you know, things like that is happening all over the country. And, you know, it, unless it's being reported on, alternative media or maybe the local news it's not getting out people are not getting the full picture of the abuse the everyday abuse you know here are the big ones but the everyday abuse where okay you know you get roughed up thrown against the wall held against your will for a couple hours and then oh gee sorry you can go now uh, you know how often does that happen in America every day? And, it, you know, well, people go, oh, well, you know, but it's a violation and they got no right to do that. I'm not allowed to do that. I mean, could you imagine if I walked up to somebody and said, hey, and just grabbed their phone and said, you can't use that, and then handcuffed <laughs> them and threw them in a room for a couple hours and then said, oh, hey, gee, sorry. My mistake, yeah. <laughs> I'd be in under the prison for that. Well, that's kind of the way that it went, and uh, at least today, I mean, of course, now, Senator Betancourt, uh, when he heard my story yesterday, he was on the show, uh, he invited me to come down and attend that hearing, and I went, but the problem, like I explained to him, I said, this this is not really about me, because 
quite frankly, the amount of money I'm going to pay here is is insignificant. This is about the Texas taxpayer being abused. And the average Texas taxpayer doesn't have a microphone. He can't call a senator and say, will you be on my show? And uh, if I didn't have that, everything that happened to me would have just been swept under the rug. That's why the security guard felt easily within his power that he could abuse me because he said he's just a regular guy that's just going to go away, and, uh, and he'll have learned his lesson. Well, it didn't go away. And when I was leaving uh, the, the hearing down there, still trying to make it for the show on time, thank you, Frank, for jumping in, by the way, leaving the hearing, then the uh, local paper, the Houston Chronicle, uh, collared me and said, hey, uh, we'd like to get some, some uh, information from you. So this is not going away. It's going to be well written up. Well, But why should I have to go through this, Frank? Well, that's true, and, 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 you know, like you say, it's happening everywhere uh, to people every day, and most people do just go, boy, I'm glad they let me go, and, you know, they go about their thing and never say another word. They might tell a friend or two, but that's it, you know, and that, that goes on, and the more that happens, the more it's going to happen, and this, this hearing you had is a really good thing, because now they know they're being watched, and not just by, you know, media or the people they're being watched by their overseers the people that can say oh yeah you know we can do something to for you you know we'll we can fix this for you and you're not going to like it you know if you're a government employee so you know it's 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 happening everywhere and it's the lack of accountability because people and and i hate to say this because it's tough it's hard people have their lives and i understand that but look when you're victimized like this You've got to stand up. You've got to make as much noise as you can. And some people can make more noise than others, but you've got to do what you can. Everybody can call their state senator and their state representative and their county commissioners, and everybody can, can do that at least, and you should. And if, <laughs> you know, if they start getting thousands of calls, they're going to start going, wait a minute, hey, that could translate into campaign contributions for me. You know, I better do something here. So, I, you know, it's just the people need to, they need to not just sit back and go, oh, boy, am I ever glad that abusive, uh, you know, <laughs> moment is over and just go about it, you know, uh-uh. But I'm really glad that, uh, you know, they had that hearing. And uh, one question before I let you go on and uh, do the show do you know if any uh, actions have been taken against that security guard or his company? I don't know what the actions were. I do know action was taken. And I'm going to follow up on that, try to get you that information. But uh, the head of the Harris County Appraisal District was there today. And uh, poor guy, he's only been on the job for three months. He has to deal with this. <laughs> and he said, I would figure the day this happens, I would happen to be somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, at the very least, I believe the gentleman responsible for this outrage was appraised of his failure to understand human rights uh, uh, or to understand the, you know, the constitutional rights guaranteed to an American citizen or a Texas citizen. And I, so, at the my, very least, he's been appraised of those. My personal view on it is that, you know, and I know it's tough out there to find jobs, but... People who do this need to be fired, and not so much as a punishment to them, but a message to everybody else that, listen, you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to lose your job, so behave yourself. 
or else. And, you know, without that, you know, we see that with, you know, law enforcement on, on too many instances because I believe it's the lack of accountability when you're able to just walk into court and say or tell the DA, well, golly, you know, I was in fear for my life. Oh, well, then never mind. You shot the guy in the back while he was running away. Anybody could see why you would be scared. <laughs> you know, so you're free to go now. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and see, that's the other thing. I was legally armed when I walked into the Harris County Appraisal District and so the news, uh, the news could have been, uh, 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 you know, crazy guy goes in a tax appraisal district, assault security guard, has a loaded pistol. Security guard had no choice but to kill him. I mean, that could have been the news story that would have been given there. But once again, I was legally carrying my weapon. Uh, they didn't see it. I had it concealed. Uh, in fact, the police officer, when he realized I was carrying, after I presented my ID, uh, you know, he, he uh, was, wow, I didn't even know you had that. I'm yeah. carrying a 45, my friend, with two extra mags, and it is cocked, locked, and loaded. Well, I guess they need to be, uh, you know, retrained on the meaning of concealed. You know, that could, that could very well be. You know, you're not supposed to see it. But but I explained to the cop, I said, look, if I'd have come here to start trouble today, it would have been a lot worse than me getting just handcuffed. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and they realized that. Of course, uh, you know, finally they end up, I'm sitting down there, it's almost comical, the cops, I got two HPD officers, Houston Police Department officers in there with me in this little locked up room, uh, fe- male and a female, if I, and they got, they got Shipley Donuts. <laughs> Shipley donuts on the counter and a box of them. They say, would you like a donut? <laughs> and I uh, wonder donuts. why they're stereotyped. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, by the way, today is National Donut Day. And if you go to Krispy Kreme, I don't know if you got those where you're at, Frank, we but if don't. you go to Krispy Kreme today, we they'll give you a free donut and a cup of coffee. Oh, man. You see, we don't. Because I'd, I'd be camping out down there a lot. I, I love Krispy Kreme, but... <laughs> We don't have them here in, uh, you know, southern Oregon, at least. Maybe up up north they do, but not here. Well, I went there. I heard it on the news. I didn't believe it. I went there, and uh, I just walked right up to the counter, and uh, she just handed me a donut and a cup of coffee. Oh, and it was, it was hot and fresh, too, man. It was good. I, I dumped that fat pill in about five bites. <laughs> yeah, those are the best donuts I've had anyway. But anyhow, I'll let you go, Doc, and uh, have a great show. All right. Thanks a lot. Guys, producer Frank, he he does his own radio show, by the way. Frank, if you're still there, tell him when your show's on. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I do, I do two one-hour shows. I do one at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, and then I do another one at 8 p.m. Pacific. They're both live. Uh, they're just separate one-hour shows. Well, there you go, on American Voice Radio, of course, so you guys can listen to Frank. And, and Frank, really, thanks for stepping in. I got here as fast as I could, but I had to go down and do my duty for the Texas taxpayers today, and, and uh, you made that possible. Not a problem at all. Have a good show. Thanks. So anyway, guys, carrying on, I, I did go down there today. They had uh, seven state senators down there. For those of you that pay attention to my channel, I did broadcast that live. If you want to see it, it's still up there on the uh, James Green Senior Channel. I think if you just go to Facebook and type in Doc Green, it comes up. 
Uh, but, you know, as the, once again, the teenagers that run Facebook have determined that my name is James Green, uh, not Doc Green. And, of course, yesterday, you know, we had uh, uh, Scott Kesterson with uh, Kil- the Kilroy uh, pack on here, and uh, he had the same problem. He had to change his name because he didn't have a driver's license that said Kilroy on it. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Their own, by, their own uh, directors say you should use the name that you are known by. And nobody knows James Green. Now, everybody's starting to find out about James Green, but even today I walk into the room down there, and uh, Senator Betancourt says, uh, Doc Green, how are you? Yeah, because everybody knows Doc Green. Nobody knows James Green. But uh, I did get test five. If you want to hear that, it's on there. It's had 150 views so far. We hope we're going to get some more views on there. I would like to thank some people. Yvonne Larson with Big Jolly Politics. Tanya Robertson with the uh, uh, Clear Lake uh, Tea Party. Uh, Sarah Buskirk, Buskirk, uh, she is a campaign manager. Uh, You know, just some of you guys that were there, I so appreciate it. Rodney Pugh, of course, is listening. Ginger Russell was listening. I just, uh, I I appreciate all of you guys uh, being involved in that and, and being a part of that hearing. It was an amazing hearing. I heard one taxpayer after another talk about the abuse that they have gotten at the appraisal districts and how the only way that they ever got any redress was, quite frankly, uh, to get a lawyer. And that is just wrong. You should not have to do that. You should not have to get a lawyer in order to uh, to defend yourself. Uh, my testimony down there, I believe, begins at about uh, around 50 minutes. That's where you find my testimony in that. And uh, after I left, the Houston Chronicle was there. They also took my testimony. I know that uh, Grace White was working on this, and she may have that on TV as well. Uh, The good news is this didn't get swept under the rug. The good news is we have people that care about this. Senator Paul Betancourt deserves kudos. I know Senator Paul Betancourt is not everybody's favorite. I know he's not perfect. But I can tell you, I've known him for a long time, and I can tell you that he's got a good heart. Paul Betancourt really does care. And uh, and he said today, he said, uh, I can't talk about this much more or I'm going to get really upset. And you can hear that uh, on the hearing uh, that, I, that I did broadcast live to you. And I do this because you care. Uh, we're dealing with all of Harris County here, guys. We're dealing with roughly about 9 million people that are affected by this. And yet down there at that hearing today, I don't know if it's because nobody heard about it. I I really don't know what the answer is. But I'd say in that room there's probably maybe 80, 100 people at this hearing. That was it. And half of those were there to testify about their abuse. It's not acceptable that we're in a situation. Now, the good news is if you go back and listen to that video, when I made the pitch to get rid of the property tax and to go to a pure sales tax, I got huge applause from that room. That tells you something. And there were seven senators there hearing this. And Lois Kokhorst was one of those senators. I'm going to have her on sometime in the next week or so. She's going to be on my show. So we'll, we'll get to talk about that again. But do you guys understand the value, the importance of your state senators hearing the support for going to a pure sales tax and getting rid of the property tax. The property tax is immoral. Another line that I gave down there today, I said, 
there should be a point in time when you've made your last payment on that house, and if you never earn another nickel of income, you can live there because it's yours. Once again, huge applause on that line down there. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Now, I, now I talked Senator Bettencourt uh, yesterday or the day before. I think you guys heard it when I had him on the show. And he said, well, you know, property taxes go all the way back to Rome. Well, I'm sure they do, but that does not make them right. Property taxes are immoral. It's immoral that you can never own a piece of property. The reason you have prosperity in the United States and you don't have it in so many other countries is because we at least have the illusion of property ownership here. So that's a critical part of it. But do you ever really own your property? Well, not if you live in Texas. In Texas, you get to own your property. You get to live in that house until you quit making the payments to the state. And at that point, my friends, you're toast. Out you go on your ear. The, they'll bring guns, and uh, they'll come down there, and they'll grab you, and they'll lead you away from your property, and then they will sell it at auction to some more fortunate individual who does have the money and can pay the tax bill. That's the way that it works. There have been fortunes made in Texas on property tax uh, theft, whereas the owner of a piece of property has had his property stolen from them. The good news is Senator Betancourt and Senator Colcourst, at least, seem to care about this. And so maybe we're going to get somewhere with that. Uh, one hopes that that's the case. One hopes that, that we do get somewhere with that and that people realize the importance, the necessity of getting rid of the property tax in Texas. All right, we're going to hit this first break. The Doc Green Show is going to be live and in charge. Uh, please support my advertiser. I tell you, find difficulty to have a phone call from a Doc Green Show guy in about a month. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurant. 
the adhesive that we use is waterproof, the product is waterproof, and so therefore you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things that they were looking worn and needed to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with pet floors, and he came out and measured. And the measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's floor of Houston, headfloor.com. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. And the doctor is in. We're checking the levels on YouTube, and I'm not sure I'm getting audio to YouTube. So we're looking at that right now. See see what may be happening or not happening there. So somebody let me know about that. I appreciate it. I was uh, showing you my, my beta. He's over there enjoying his lunch right now. So uh, anyway, ha- yeah, I had to feed him. He, he gets fed when I come into the studio. So I'm getting my camera back on here. Death and taxes, the only certain things that we have. There's no question we are all going to die. There's no question we are all going to pay a lot of taxes. No audio on YouTube. That's wonderful. And I, I think I can see the problem here. Let's see if that's what it is. Nope. Oh, great. Don't know why we got no audio in YouTube. I should have been looking at that on the break instead of feeding my fish, but who knows. In any case, yeah, Sean says the. Here's the thing. For years prior, they collected it unlawfully until recently the people voted to amend the Texas Constitution to make the ad valorem tax on property legal. What can you do if people vote against their own interest? Well, the problem is most of these people have no clue what the law is, and, uh, and so consequently they get away with it. Quan wants to know if I'm drinking beer. No, I am drinking, uh, what am I? I'm drinking coconut water today. Um, 
This is LaCroix coconut water. I love it. It's almost as good as beer. It has some advantages over beer. It has no alcohol. It has no, some people would not consider that advantage. (laughs) It has no sugar. It has no calories. And it has really no aftertaste either. It's just a wonderful drink. LaCroix coconut water. Hmm. Good stuff. No, I, I, I cannot drink beer when I'm doing the show. There's Yvonne Larson, by the way. She is one of those people that were uh, checking it out today. She, uh, Yvonne Larson writes for BigJollyPolitics.com. And you guys could check out her stuff there. It's all good. And I'd recommend that you do that, as a matter of fact. But we all have to put pressure on our legislators. If you, I don't care what state you're living in, and I know there's a lot of you listening in different states. But, uh, yeah, in fact, I see uh, Scott Vinesack just uh, logged in here. He's out in California. Of course, California, they pay a stupid amount of taxes out there. But no matter what state you're in, you've got to pressure your legislators to get rid of the property tax. The property tax is immoral. It's illegal. Of course, so so is the income tax. It's also immoral and illegal. We need to go to the fair tax. The fair tax, you can go to fairtax.org if you want the particulars. But we need to go to a pure sales tax. That is the fix for all of this. I pointed out, I said, look, here we got seven senators. They're all here listening to this stuff. Well, the taxpayers come and point out their grievances and why they feel like there's an adversarial relationship between the appraisal districts which were just created a few years ago, and, and us, we the taxpayers. Well, of course it's an adversarial relationship. What else can it be? It can't be anything else but an adversarial relationship, can it? So uh, looks like I got audio there now. Check the YouTube channel, guys. Looks like I got audio. I see it. It can't be anything but an adversarial relationship. You've got a piece of land that you would like to live on. You have finally, after 30 years of having a mortgage, you have paid the thing off, and then you find that you can't actually possess that land unless you pay the state. That is the problem. We have to get rid of this. It is immoral. In many places, it is illegal. It was illegal in Texas, at least for a period of time. And, of course, I didn't have unlimited time today. But the other thing I wanted to get to is the uh, property tax exemption. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Frank said it's like the adversarial relationship a bank has with the bank robber. Yes. Yes. In this case, we're the bank, and the state is the bank robber. Not acceptable. Not acceptable at all. We have to eliminate this. The point that the other point I wanted to make is, see, here in Texas, we have something called a homestead exemption. I don't know if they've got that out in California or any, any of the other states. Um, I think Sean's actually in Texas, so I don't know. But out there in, in uh, I mean, here in Texas, we have something called a homestead exemption. When the homestead exemption was put into place, it was very cool. When the homestead exemption was put into place, The average home in Texas was exempt from property taxes. 
the average home because they they set it at the adver- at the average price of a home. The objective was that the veteran, for instance, would never pay any taxes on his home. The the objective was that the average person living in an average home, working an average job for a wage, would never be touched by the property tax. That was the plan. The only problem is they put that uh, tax into place something like 80, 90 years ago. They have not increased the amount of the exemption until last year. Now, last year... They went from, like, giving you a $7,000 homestead exemption to a $15,000 a year homestead exemption, which means if you've got a house that's worth less than $15,000, you don't pay any tax. Well, how cool is that, right? Do you know anybody that's got a house in Texas that's valued at less than $15,000? Well, the answer is, hell no. My God, in River Oaks, if you've got a tool shed in River Oaks, it's valued at a million dollars. So I pointed that out to Senator Betancourt at the, you know, when I had him on the show the other day. I wanted to point it out again at the hearing that if these guys really cared about Texas and they really cared about that and they wanted to keep the property tax, which is ridiculous, what they should do is raise that homestead exemption to $150,000 valuation. That means if you live in a home that's worth less than $150,000, you pay nothing. That's what should happen. At the very least, if the state of Texas wanted to be righteous with the people, they would exempt your primary residence. And to be absolutely fair, you see, I don't really care if your primary residence is in River Oaks and if it is worth $7 million. If that's the house you live in, you should pay no taxes on it. Now, if you're a really, really rich guy and you've got three properties, and a lot of my friends do, they've got the house here in Houston, they've got the house up on Lake Houston, and then they've got the house on the Bay in Galveston. All right, maybe you could tax those other two houses. Maybe you could look at that as a luxury. But just between you and me, I think that even that is a violation of your rights. Yeah, Weber said, yeah, if you don't give me a deed to your ranch, I'm going to throw you on the railroad tracks. That's what, it, that's what it's come down to. The state can take your ranch. The state can take your property. Not acceptable. Yvonne Larson and Wilbur Witt need to get together. You guys are both good writers. You should be, you should be writing stuff together. At the very least, Big Jolly Politics ought to have an article from Wilbur every month because Wilbur is fabulous. In fact, I may get around to reading some of his stuff today. So going back to Frank's comment, the adversarial relationship that we have is like that between a bank and a bank robber, except for we're the bank and the state is the bank robber. So what happened to me the other day when I got down there? I'm simply asking questions. I got my cell phone in my hand, simply asking the question, and I've got it actually just resting on the counter so it'll be steady while I look at the the young lady behind the counter there and, and I'm asking her questions. I'm not making any noise. I'm not making a ruckus. Everything was cool until the security guard, you can't record that, comes over and grabs the phone out of my hand. Now, guys, this, this phone here, if you guys recognize what it is, this is a $1,000 phone. That's what it costs if you buy one of these because it's an iPhone 6. Well, now they got the 7, but this is the iPhone 6 S Plus. 
It's a plus because it's, it's a big-ass phone. It's big enough that I quit carrying an iPad because there's a lot of tools on here that I use for work. And so those tools I use for work, uh, right here on the front page, for instance, I've got a, uh, a real-time analyzer so I can examine frequency and volume. I've got a sound pressure level meter if I just want to know how loud it really is. I've got uh, an airport utility if I need to set up a uh, network. I use the airport utility here on my phone. This is a tool. This is my work phone. This is what I carry. And it's big enough I don't have to carry that other stuff around anymore. What right did the security guard gra- have to grab that out of my hand? First of all, he's not even a law enforcement officer. He is a security guard. Now, if I'd have pulled out my, my forty five and aim that at somebody, now the security guard needs to jump into action. But I rather suspect if I had done that, the security guard would have run out in terror and, uh, and called 911 because he didn't want to get shot. But that was not the case. No, he walked up. He sees just an average milk toast old man with a white beard and says, oh, this is a guy I can, t- I can easily intimidate. I'm just going to take his phone and tell him he can't use that here. And what is normal? Well, normal, he takes that phone from the old man, and the old man says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't mean to offend. I, I didn't know it was against the rules. I would never have done it. Please, just don't damage my phone. May I have my phone back? I won't do it again. If I had done that, it would have been over. But if I'd done that, it would have been over on more than one level, guys. If I'd have done that, it would have been over for the taxpayers of Harris County. You would have lost your rights, and that security guard would, be, would have become even more aggressive with someone else in the future because he would have gotten away with it, and there would have been no recourse, no, rep- no recompense, no admonition, nothing. That would have been the end of it. The problem that I have, Doc Green, is that I don't bow down and kiss the glove very well. I'm just not good at it, you know? Some of you guys may be good at that. I am just not good at that. So I felt violated, and I simply asked him, I said, what's the, what's the statute on this? What statute says I cannot record this conversation? I don't know. I said, well, tell me what the law is. I don't care about the law. Security guard doesn't care about the law. Why? Well, he's not a law enforcement individual. So, you know, I'm pointing at his badge there on his shoulder. You know, he's got the, the little uh, little badge here on his shoulder that says uh, Billy Bob Security. So I'm pointing at that. And I said, you're a law enforcement officer. How could you not care about the law? And then I kind of trailed off because I realized, oh, he's a security guard. He's really a rent-a-cop. Now, I didn't tell him he was a rent-a-cop, okay? I'm just thinking it. But at that point, he said, uh, you touch me, you touch me. Grabbed me by the shoulders, rushed me out of the room, slammed me up against the wall, and started slapping the cuffs on me. Yeah, John Goff just uh, chimed in. John Goff's up there in Maryland, but he said, uh, when, uh, when I was living in Florida, Jeb Bush taxed the living crap out of Floridians if they weren't homesteaded. 
A thousand families were leaving Florida a month when he was the governor. Oh, thank God we dodged that bullet. And he said he's got something really big for tomorrow. Can't wait to tell us. Well, <laughs> the phone number, if you want to talk to me, is 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. Yeah, that's right, Tex, a rent-a-cop. That's what he was. And not a very good one either. But he was a big old boy. He was about six foot three and weighed about 300 pounds. He had had plenty of donuts. So what's one reason why I like to go into Krispy Kreme today? If you got Krispy Kreme in your area, today is free donut day. Today is donut day nationally. Go to Krispy Kreme. They'll give you a free donut, a cup of coffee, and I went and got mine. The donut was fresh and hot, and I could have taken it in two bites, but I wanted to savor it a little bit. What was cool was when I was down there getting my donut, there was a couple of black guys there, and uh, they were uh, they were buying donuts in quantity. So I started talking to them. Turns out they work for a doctor, and apparently their job is to get uh, patients into the doctor on workman's comp claims. So what they do is they take uh, large quantities of donuts and go to work sites and hand out free donuts, shake a lot of hands, say, just wanted you guys to know if you ever get hurt on the job, it's going to be covered under workman's comp, and you can call us. Now, how cool is that? So anyway, I had a nice chat with them. I, I said, well, I hope you guys are going to support Donald Trump. Well, it turns out that, uh, turns out that, uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, yeah, it turns out that, uh, no, they're not supporting Donald Trump. Turns out they they are uh, really leaning toward Hillary, and so I started talking to him about Obamacare, and a young guy sitting there saying, "Well, you know, Obamacare has helped a lot of people." And I told him, I said, "Well, let me tell you what I used to do. I was in the audio video business, and uh, a lot of doctors were my customers. They used to call me up and say, "Hey, got a hundred grand to spend on a nice theater." Now those same doctors, if they call me at all, call me up and say, "Hey, I got ten grand to spend. I want to buy a nice theater." Everything has changed. We don't do any $100,000 theaters anymore because nobody is spending that kind of money on a theater. Could you spend $100,000 on a theater? Yes. Could you spend a quarter of a million on a theater? Yes. Could you spend a million dollars on a home theater? Yes, you can. I actually have some speakers, but if you did a 5.1 system in your home theater, the speakers are just right at a million dollars. So... There you have it. If you wanted to spend that kind of money. But nobody's got that kind of money to spend anymore. We are in serious trouble. I don't know what it's going to take to restore the economy. I think Donald Trump is a step in that direction. Now, I was talking to a buddy of mine. Uh, I was talking to uh, Scott, the libertarian professor, Scott Ford. The Libertarian Professor comes on Raging Elephants Radio every day from 2 until 4. And you can get that no matter where you are in the world by loading the Raging Elephants Radio app on your smartphone. It's a free app. I don't care if you got an Android. I don't care if you got a Wind phone. I don't care if you got a uh, uh, an iPhone. You can download the Raging Elephants Radio app on your phone, and you can listen to Raging Elephants Radio every day. Now, the show you're listening to right now will be rebroadcast tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. on Raging Elephants Radio. 
But Scott Ford comes on live every day, Raging Elephants Radio, and he and I were talking about uh, the relative merits of Hillary versus uh, um, Trump. Now, his position is Donald Trump's not a good guy. You can't vote for Donald Trump. His position is also that Hillary's a worse guy, and you can't vote for, for her. His uh, problem with Donald Trump is similar to mine. Donald Trump's talking about stop and frisk being a good idea. You and I know that stop and frisk is a violation of the Constitution because it's easy to read that, and it says nobody shall be stopped and searched without a search warrant and reasonable cause. It says you have the right to be secure in your persons and your property. Unless, of course, you go to the Harris County Appraisal District and the security guards down there, in which case then you don't have that right anymore. But actually, maybe you do now. I believe that's been restored. Um, in fact, I got to talk to Jordan T. Wise today, um, and uh, right after I talked to him, they immediately got me on the phone with somebody who was adjusting the valuation of my 1999 Honda van. They're still trying to value it at $1,000 when uh, the Kelly Blue Book very plainly says that it's not worth 1000 bucks. Now, I don't know what they're what they were using, but Kelly Blue Book is the acknowledged authority when it comes to car values. And there is no way that Honda van's worth any more than the 38 bucks. I mean, right now I've got it in the shop because the wheels were falling off. Yeah, the front wheels were actually falling off. The ball joints were coming apart. And so I had to put it in the shop. I'm getting new ball joints put on. Well, I can't afford a new car. I just can't afford the car payment. I'd rather go down there and, and pay a few hundred bucks and, and uh, put it back on the road than to go buy a new car. It does run well. It just looks like crap. So uh, anyway, we're still arguing about that, but I have every expectation by the end of the day they're going to agree with me that that van should be dropped off the tax rolls because it's not even worth 500 bucks anymore. So we're going to see what happens on that. Oh, and I did get my PB whacked yesterday, guys, on YouTube because I used the tax man. So if you watched my show yesterday, I think it's up now. Uh, they took it down for a while. They, they killed the audio on it because I used the, uh, the Beatles tax man. Those guys aggressively enforce those copyright uh, issues there. So i got to be careful with the music I play, but whenever Paul Betancourt uh, does his radio show here in Houston, and he is on another another show on AM 700 here in Houston, they also have an app, uh, that's his theme music as a tax man because he used to be the Harris County tax assessor collector. Another reason why he was very upset today be, uh, reading that. So... Uh, Anyway, uh, hey, Brenda, if you're still out there, let me know if you got sound now, because you should have sound now. I'm seeing sound where before I wasn't seeing sound. So I'd like to know if you do indeed have it at this point. Indeed, I want to make sure I'm not overdriving it, because I want the sound quality to be good. So, uh, Brenda, give me a reading on that. So uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to have John Goff actually in here. He's going to be on the show. John Goff uh, ran for Congress uh, unsuccessfully, at least the first time. Maybe he'll run again. But we're going to get him on here. He's got some stuff he wants to bring to you. And uh, we're all in favor of that happening on the Amazing Doc Green Show. 
And uh, also, uh, if you guys got any uh, taxpayer horror stories you'd like to share, well, call me at 800-932-1980. 932-1980. Uh, call up on the Doc Green Show, and, and we're going we're gonna to get into that. Sean, Sean said, I don't want to go down to uh, the donut shop because I might run into a cop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that could happen. I didn't run into any cops down there, by the way. Just those two black guys that were thinking they are going to vote for Hillary. Uh, one of the other th- interesting things, though, that came up last night, I talked again with Rusty Monsies, and he was telling me that uh, he knows a lot of people on the street in Mexico, actual Mexican citizens. Uh, Rusty Monsies' father fought with Pancho Villa, so Rusty's got a heritage in Mexico. And he said... The average street Mexican is rooting for Donald Trump because they're thinking that Donald Trump, simply by becoming president of the United States, may very well save Mexico because they believe that Donald Trump is the only defense they have and the only possible way they're going to stop the drug cartels. That's what they think. Now, I thought that was interesting. You're not hearing that on the news anywhere, are you? But yet, we're getting it firsthand from a guy that actually lives on the border in Brownsville, Texas, that has friends in Mexico. They truly believe that a Donald Trump presidency will save Mexico. They want the wall built. And, of course, uh, as Scott Ford was pointing out on his show yesterday, the, the war on drugs is an absolute failure. We should stop it. Let's knock a leg out from under the drug cartels. You legalize drugs, and all of a sudden, guess what? They're going to have a little trouble making money on it. So uh, Yvonne Larson just stepped in. She said, I have to write up my complaint and send it to the city of Houston who had me wear a scarlet letter, concealed gun badge. What? Yvonne, are you kidding me? Call me right now, Yvonne. I want to hear about this. 800-932-1980. Call me right now. I want to hear about this. That is irritable. Picks me off. Had to wear a scarlet letter because uh, you had a concealed handgun. That sort of defeats the need for a concealed handgun, doesn't it? At that point, you might as well open carry. That's what I think. I want to hear that story. So, uh, anyway... Uh, by the way, up there, right underneath my picture, if you're watching this live video on on Facebook, click on the share link. Let's share this thing. Let's fill up this chat room. We can easily easily handle uh, a lot of people here at one point in time. Also, on the uh, call-in line, 800-932-1980, we can, uh, we can have a conference on there. Yes, we can. So we're going to do that as well. Um, going to hit this break early. And then we're going to come back with John Goff. John Goff, and we're going to talk to him about what is going on. He's out in Maryland. He's got some interesting stuff he wants to share. So going to be right back on the Doc Green Show. Hit it, Frank. Doc Green Show is on the air. 
mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. The doctor is in, and of course, in a minute, we're going to have John Goff, too. But I've got Yvonne Larson on the line, and Yvonne is an activist. Yvonne, what is this? You had to, you're a concealed carry holder. You had to go down to the city of Houston, and what happened here? Well, thanks, Doc. Good to be with you. Yesterday, yes, I needed to go to um, city of Houston City Hall in order to retrieve some uh, material from an open records request. Um, I went into uh, first the City Hall Annex and then was, you know, redirected back into Houston City Hall. 
So I'll share with you what happened when I went into Houston City Hall. Um, so at the entrance on uh, Bagby Street, there is a metal detector, very similar to the TSA at the airports, and then also a um, you know conveyor belt to screen purses, etc. Um, right above the conveyor belt, uh, conveyor belt is a uh, sign essentially telling um, concealed carry holders that um, they must um, produce their concealed carry license in order to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, pr- produce that. And so um, I followed the instructions. And by the way, I'm not talking about a 30.6 or a 30.7 sign. I'm just talking about a sign that says, you know, concealed carry holders have to produce their license, and yeah. they're not allowed to carry concealed uh, and attend any governmental meetings. So I um, produced my license to that the gentleman that, that was there. That would be a violation of Texas state law. Yeah. So I'm just recounting the story, right? So I produced my license. Um, the nice security man says, oh, my gosh, this is the first time we've ever had anybody do this. Where is your firearm? I said, I'm carrying it concealed in my handbag. Um, he um, had me um, go in and get a, uh, a bit, you know, a badge and then come back and go through the metal detector, at which point he then um, proceeded to open up my handbag, um, look inside my handbag, um, saw where I was uh, carrying my uh, firearm, yeah, and then said, like oh, would you said, wait right here, please? I mean, I mean yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, wow, it's just like she said, she's got a gun. Yeah, just like just like he said. Uh, so uh, he said, "Well, would you wait right here, please? I think I need to get you a special badge uh, before you go inside." So I um, waited. A very nice HPD officer came out to the vestibule and said, "Oh, this is one of the first times we've ever had this happen. You know, we're just not sure what the protocols are." And sure enough, the security guard comes back and exchanges the original white visitor badge that I was given for what I'm calling the scarlet letter concealed gun badge. Um, There's a photo of this badge up on my Facebook wall. Um, And so um, I gave back the white visitor badge and clipped the um, scarlet letter concealed gun badge on my sweater and went upstairs to the fourth floor to retrieve my open records material, and um, came back. Huh. This is insane. I'm posting that link right here in the chat room so everybody can check it out for themselves. Uh, yeah, well, what they wanted to do is they wanted to point out we have we have people here that are sheep, and then we have people here that are sheep dogs. We have the sheep dogs, the dangerous people. Uh, they're marked by a red badge. That is insane. Indeed. So there's there's another really great part of the story. So as a result of posting the photograph of the Scarlet Letter concealed gun badge on my Facebook wall, I received a very nice private message through Facebook this morning from a gentleman whose name I'll keep confidential. And he put me in touch 
with a gentleman who is the law, Gregory Lucas, I believe his name, who um, put himself forth as being the law enforcement liaison for the office of the Texas Attorney General. And in a subsequent email, um, sent me, uh, Mr. Lucas sent me the information um, for the complaint to be filed with the city of um, Houston and then um, the opportunity for the city of Houston to respond, uh, at which point I can then forward the information on to um, the office of the Attorney General of Texas. Well, I'm going to call it the uh, red badge of courage. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> So, God, this is well, there's, your scarlet letter, there's the scarlet letter concealed gun badge story. Oh, man. This is simply a violation of your constitutional rights. It's nothing more and nothing less. <laughs> That's the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. I knew you'd like this one. Well, I did. I just posted it there, and uh, that is insanity. And an, Boy, I wish I'd have known about that this morning when I was giving my testimony. Because I could have added that to the uh, to the mix, they would have loved that. What is first of all? Understood. Do they not understand that you're allowed to carry a firearm uh, as as one of those people that has already bowed down and kissed the glove, which you did. Uh, you're allowed to carry <laughs> a firearm in any place, pretty much in in Texas, except for a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Now, we mm-hmm. just had a situation where, the, where Waller County uh, Courthouse is getting fined, what, $1,700 a day for every day that they don't take their signs down? Uh, is the city of Houston not paying attention? Well, what was re- so what was really interesting and the good point you bring up was both the security officer as well as the um, um, guy from HPD, you know, who just, said, oh, my gosh, this is one of the first, you know, you're the first person that, you know, we've had this with. And um, so that'll be really interesting to see if, um, you know, what their policy, uh, any written policy that they might have and how they respond to the complaint I'm planning to write. Wow. Well, once again, Yvonne Larson, you are a true patriot. You've been standing there toe-to-toe. And uh, BigJollyPolitics.com, is that the place where they can read your uh, your writing? That's the place where they can write it. And for all of the activists, uh, including yourself, Doc, I thank you very much every day for all that you do. Well, you've been there, and you've been doing it for a long time, and I'm grateful. Uh, thank you for bringing this story to our attention, because this, once again... <sighs> What's the point of having a concealed license if you have to have a scarlet letter that identifies you as someone who is carrying a weapon? Well, I think SREC member Bonnie Lugo said it best, wrote it best on my Facebook wall last night. She said know, that's Bonnie. the badge that says, shoot me first. Yeah, well, that's, I was going there. That's exactly where I was going. Is that so the cops know who to kill first? I mean, geez, Pete, I mean, this is ridiculous, Yvonne Larson. I got you. I got you, Doc. Hey, thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for letting me call in and uh, and chat with you. No problem. I got tell me, to work. Uh, is that a Ferrari that you're pictured in there? And they, tell me about your Ferrari. It Yvonne. is. It is. Well, um, so uh, a number of years ago, my husband and I had the opportunity to vac- vacation in Monaco for about five days. 
and one of the events that the group uh, was treated to was the opportunity to go on a Ferrari drive um, in uh, around uh, Ez, France. And so that's how the picture of uh, me and that nice red, red Ferrari came to be taken. <laughs> <laughs> Ferraris are great cars. I got to drive one once. And uh, an absolutely amazing automobile. In fact, I mean, the guy that actually owned it, it was a, about, a, about a quarter of a million dollar Ferrari. And the guy that actually owned it, we were in the woodlands, and he went from zero to 105 in a city block. Wow. And, uh, and wow. there was a red light at the end of that block, and so he had to put the brakes on. But the cool part about it, we went from zero to 105 in a city block, and then he hits the brakes. Now, you think, I'm going 105, here's a red light. It's going to be a lot of screeching of tires, right? Nope. We were not, we were not allowed to go anything more than, say, 25 to 30 kilometers. And if you've ever been to Ez, um, you'll know why the you know the streets are very winding as they are in Monaco. So um, oh. we did not. I did not get up to 100 kilometers per hour in that Ferrari. <laughs> well, he put the brakes on in that car, and it just went just like that. That's what it <laughs> we we went from 105 to nothing in about 25 yards, and it just that's what it sounded like. It was uh, a, it was a sweet was, ride for sure. Oh, man, I got to drive that thing. At the time, I was a Volvo owner, and I thought my Volvo was a pretty tight, well, good-handling car. After I drove that car, my Volvo felt like a bucket of bolts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful cars. So, well, there's nothing like, like a blonde and a Ferrari to get your attention, so that's why I wanted to call attention to that <laughs> Thanks again for chatting with. Uh, thanks again for letting me call in and share the experience, Doc. Oh well, thank you. And if any of you guys out there have had a similar experience to Yvonne, you sh- you should uh, call in and let me know that. Uh, we're waiting for John Goff to uh, call in today because uh, we want to hear hear from him. John Goff, he uh, he ran for uh, Congress, and uh, so we're going to get him on. And by the way, yeah, Galen BDAC, it's starting to cool off a little bit now. So if you've got a heating system, you may want to call Galen Beatty and get it checked out. Now, Galen Beatty is, is a supporter of this show. He writes a check. Thank you, Galen. I appreciate it. But he can only write that check as long as you, my listeners, call him. And Galen, the reason he writes the check is because he's a patriot. He cares about your rights, and he is willing to underwrite a show to keep me on the air. And this is a for-profit entity. I was reminded that Vita Scientific has not gotten a call from anyone on this show yet since we went live on American Voice Radio. So I need you guys to call Vita Scientific today. And even if you don't order any vitamins, you do get uh, 50% off your first order if you mention Doc Green. But even if you don't order any vitamins, I need you to call them up and tell them that you heard it here. And you can send them an uh, email at VitaScientific.com. Or you can call Vita Scientific. I'm looking for the phone number here. But VitaScientific.com is where you go. The phone number is 210-520-VITA. 210-520-VITA. That's 842 210 520 
800-242-8432. And uh, call them up and tell them that you heard it here. At the very least, just let them know, and I'm putting that in the chat room, at the very least, just let them know that you heard it on the Doc Green Show because they're, uh, they're starting to think that maybe their, their money is wasted uh, advertising here. We don't want them to think that because the only way I can be here with you guys is if somebody pays for this. So, you know, it costs money to be on the air. Uh, Frank, a great guy, does not work for free. Um, and it's nice to have a producer on your show, by the way. So it's uh, it's made things uh, it's made things much better, and uh, oh, Frank said, be prepared for this argument from the county court system uh, that makes laws as Texas law state you can't carry concealed within a courtroom. They may argue the only way you can identify concealed carry people before entering the courtroom is if they're wearing the red badge or courage. Uh, look, guys. You don't need to worry about the guys that have got a concealed handgun. You especially don't need to worry about blondes driving Ferraris. Uh, it doesn't, you know, that's not who you need to worry about. What you need to worry about is the Muslim thugs that are going to show up with their guns plainly displayed while they are shooting you. That's what you need to worry about. Did you ever see that movie Mars Attacks? Great movie, Mars Attacks. They got the Martians out there. They're shooting everybody in sight. At the same time, they're saying, do not run. We are your friends. I need to find that clip and play it. For crying out loud, guys, you have nothing to worry about with the average Texan carrying a weapon. You're, that is not something you need to fear. What you need to fear is the crazy people, the Muslims that are out there trying to kill you. That's what you need to fear. But we've got our we've got all of our priorities misplaced, and I don't I don't know how we're going to solve that problem, unless uh, people like you do your part, and uh, that's what that's what needs to happen there. So we can we can uh, put a nail in this coffin. At least I'm hoping we can put a nail in this coffin, uh, simply by, by pointing these things out. But I just don't know. Anyway. <laughs> A little music for you. I think I'm going to play some music. Quality's not as good as I was hoping for. No, that's not good. That's not going to be work. Let me see if I can find a better version of that, guys. Trying to get... uh, Yeah, let's do this. Let's get this up. Ronnie Montrose, a lot of you guys don't know Ronnie Montrose, uh, but Ronnie Montrose was a fabulous, fabulous guitar player. Uh, Probably the earliest thing you ever heard Ronnie Montrose play on was a song called Wild Nights by Van Morrison back in about 1971. Ronnie Montrose was a session player back in those days, and uh, so he played that. But I'm going to give you a little piece of real Montrose. We're going to talk about that.
Jack Green Show, live from Houston. Doc Green Show is live and on the air. I hope you enjoyed that little cut from Ronnie Montrose because I love Ronnie Montrose. Ronnie Montrose was a great guitar player. He was born back in 1947, and he died in 2012, unfortunately, uh, uh, got cancer. Uh, he, uh, he had his band called Montrose, which started back in 1973, and then he had Gamma, which is another great band, started in uh, 1979. Did a boatload of session work, including the aforementioned Van Morrison, worked with Herbie Hancock, 
Beaver and Kraus, Boss Skaggs, Edgar Wintergroup, Gary Wright, the Bo Brummels, Dan Hartman, Tony Williams, the Neville Brothers, Mark Bonilla, and, of course, Sammy Hagar was the lead singer in Montrose. And that's where Sammy Hagar really got his start. So uh, Ronnie Montrose, just a fabulous guitar player. He was born out in California when he was a young guy. Uh, his parents moved back to Colorado, where his mom was from. And, of course, his dad was from Burton, Nebraska. Wanted to get out of the People's Republic of California. And uh, that's where he spent most of his younger years. Back in 1969, he had a band called Sawbuck. And uh, with a guy named Bill Church, who also did some great stuff. But um, Montrose, an amazing guitar player, great writer, not a singer. Always had somebody else singing. And that's why uh, the vocal that you just heard in that song was actually Sammy Hagar. So, Paper Money. I hope you guys listen to the words, because that song actually had something to say. Paper Money doesn't hold. Why does Paper Money not hold? Well, Paper Money doesn't hold because it's not worth anything. Right now, the, the uh, Paper Money idea, the, the very concept of it, is dependent upon the full faith and credit of the United States. Otherwise, it has no value. I don't even think I have any paper money on me. You got a dollar on you? I think I do, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's take a look see what that says on it. Let's see what this says. This says Federal Reserve Note. Now, first of all, you've got to understand, there, the Federal Reserve is not federal. It's just a name. I mean, they could have they called it uh, Bob's Money Production Emporium or something like that. Federal Reserve means nothing. It's not federal. It's just a name they snatched out of the air. It's a private corporation. And the second part, it says reserve. Now, that connotates that there's this vault full of gold somewhere, right? Yep. There is no vault full of gold. I got, uh, by the way, for some people that are wondering, yeah, I, I, I got Dave sitting in there with me today because he's going to do my show on Monday, and he just wanted to see how it works now that Frank is the producer. Dave's done my show before. But it says Federal Reserve on there. And it says uh, $1. It says this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. But it's only legal tender for all debts, public and private, if somebody believes that it is. Because the actual value of this, this uh, fabric, cotton, infused paper, is probably about maybe, I don't know, probably a little less than a penny. Probably. If you burn it, it doesn't burn very well. So it's not something you could actually use. I mean, this really has no use at all. It's an IOU. Would that be a good way to put it, Dave? I would say so, yeah. It's an IOU. And um, that's all it is. Now, if you want me to work for you, and you want me to build you an AV system, and uh, we are going to take that call, I think. Joanne's going to check it. Uh, if you want me to work for you as and put in an AV system, I'm going to charge you 175 of those per hour if you want me to work for you. On the other hand, if you happen to have some pre-1964 silver dollars laying around, well, then I am more than happy to work for you for just $15 an hour. You give me 15 silver dollars an hour, and I will work for you all day long. It's really all I want. So... Uh, Actually, actually, it's less than that. Let me figure out what, what that really is. No, I'll work for you all day for eight seventy five an hour if you pay me in silver dollars. 
So give me seven silver dollars and three pre-1964 silver quarters, and I will work for you all day. Eight seventy-five, And I'd be happy to work for that all day long. Why? Well, because uh, back in the day, in 1964, if you had, uh, let's say you had uh, ten silver dollars back in 1964, you could buy a man's suit for about ten silver dollars. Well, today, if I've got 10 pre-1964 silver dollars, I can still go buy a really nice man's suit. But if I have to pay in greenbacks, that suit's going to cost me $200. Why? Because of the Federal Reserve. Why? Because the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor is it a reserve. They don't have any money sitting there, and it's not, it's not federal at all. What the Federal Reserve's been doing to you for some period of time, quietly behind the scenes, what they've been doing to you is they've been devaluing your currency. They've been making it worth less. And here's how that works. Every year, they print more dollars and put them into circulation. Every year, it's just like uh, making stock in a company. If you've got 100 shares of stock and worth $1,000 a piece, well, tomorrow I'm going to make 200 shares of stock. The company's not worth any more. There's just going to be more shares of stock. So now the shares of stock are worth $500 a piece. Same deal. That's how the Federal Reserve works. They continue to increase the M1 money supply. And when they do that, you end up with a dollar that is devalued and worth less. Not a good thing. All right, we're going to hit this break. Going to be right back. And hopefully Jonathan Goff's going to join us. luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. And the measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. 
actually have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge. Ted Floor of Houston. TedFloor.com. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state. Anytime. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. And the doctor is in, Doc Green, live from Houston, Texas, on the American Voice Radio Network and RagingElephantsRadio.com, your source for Texas news and information, the rebellious voice of Texas liberty, as it were. You guys need to stick around after my show on Raging Elephants Radio every day, because after me, the Apostle Claver T. Kamau Imani comes in. And uh, after the Apostle is on for his two-hour show, then we get on uh, another friend of mine, the Libertarian Professor Scott Ford. And me and Scott, we're going to get together. Uh, we're going to have a little debate on why you should or should not vote for Donald Trump. I know Scott's a Libertarian, and he wants to vote for the Libertarian, but he's discovered he's got some issues with the Libertarian. In fact, he's discovered that the Constitutional Party guy is actually more Libertarian than the Libertarian Party guy. So it's it's amazing, it's crazy. Another guy we're going to have on here next week, by the way, uh, we're going to going to have a guy that's running for president on the Veterans Party. So now we've got uh, the Republican Party, we've got the Democrat Party, we've got the Libertarian Party. All of those have ballot access. Then we got the Veterans Party that does not yet have ballot access, and we've got the Constitutional Party that does not yet have ballot access. So, and there are probably some other parties, Oilers Green Party out there. I guess they're on, what, I don't know, three or four states' ballots. Uh, so, good Lord, now we're starting to look a little like England. That's six parties, if I counted right, <laughs> Dave Wilson. Yeah, it sounds that way. I, You know, when it comes to viability, that's another issue. 
I met your uh, namesake down there today. He was uh, with oh, the was Harris, he there? Harris County Community College. He was down there testifying at that tax hearing. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because I was. Uh, I actually met him for the first time last month. I went to Austin to uh, testify at uh, one of the Senate hearings there, and he was there as well. So I heard about the Dave Wilson from the uh, uh, Harris County Community College before, but I had never had the opportunity to meet him, but I did. Well, I tell you what, I think politicians tremble just a little bit when they hear Dave Wilson there. And it doesn't matter which Dave Wilson yeah, it is. Yeah, regardless of which one, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're, we're both of the same cloth. Yeah, they know if your name's Dave Wilson, you are liberty-minded, and uh, you're upset about high taxes. Now, here's what's cool. Dave Wilson's on the Harris County Community College Board. Yep. He replaced a black man. Mm -hmm. And they said he did it by hook and by crook yeah. uh, because uh, his campaign literature did not explain to people that he was a white guy. Right, right. And, and they said, therefore, it was racist because he didn't tell people <laughs> he was a white guy. Well, you, you know how those liberals are. They like to uh, claim racism for about every ill that we have in our nation, and uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. They, they are the ones that, uh, that perpetuate this whole racist idea. Absolutely true. And there's nothing racist about uh, the other Dave Wilson. He said, look, yeah. I, you know, want to know why I got elected? I went out and knocked on doors. said, I knocked on over 1,000 doors. And this is what yeah. I discovered about the black people in that district. They don't like having their tax money abused any more than the white That's people exactly do. That's exactly right. And uh, so the very thought that they might be able to elect somebody like me who was concerned about their taxes mm -hmm. resonated with them. Yep. And the interesting thing was he was there today to talk about the fact that uh, Harris County Community College is hopelessly in debt. Yep. But he wasn't there talking about the need to raise taxes to pay off that debt. He was there talking about the need to be fair to the citizens of Houston and that that's why they needed to lower taxes. I said, man, I love this. This is like the days of Paul Bettencourt, the tax man, <laughs> when he's looking for ways to cut our taxes instead of to get more of them. That's right. So, I don't know. It, it was a good hearing anyway, and uh, so anytime you get a chance to hear Dave Wilson, doesn't matter which one, I'd recommend to be here. <laughs> Appreciate that. So uh, Dave Wilson's going to be here. He's going to be doing my show on Monday because yep. uh, I have a funeral for a friend, a drummer friend of mine, Ronnie Morgan, has uh, passed away. Sadly, in his prime, Ronnie Ronnie was in his late 40s. Uh, we hated, but uh, he had cancer and wasn't doing well, so uh, he will be... He will be remembered well. He was a great guy, fabulous drummer. And uh, we're going to go over there and, and uh, you know, pay our respect to Ronnie Morgan. And the good news is you guys are not going to feel lack because we're going to have on the show, we're going to have Dave Wilson, a, a real taxpayer advocate, a real liberty activist, and we're going to have Ken Hoover with the John Birch Society. Now, everybody knows about the John Birch Society, right? So uh, you're going to get a chance to talk to the uh, Houston uh, representative of the John Birch Society, and I think you're going to find it fabulously interesting. So uh, got to say hi to some more folks. Peggy Barnett just showed up and uh, said it wouldn't let me see what meeting you were at. Uh, they were having a, a taxpayer appraisal district meeting today. Uh, Senator Betancourt down, uh, was down at the Harris County Community College down there by the Galleria. They were having a hearing because they realized the property tax system is out of control and must be reformed. And they realized that in spite of the fact that the state cutting property taxes, 
was offset by the appraisal districts raising taxes. And so the end result is nobody's tax bill went down. It's just the county got a bigger share of it by raising taxes. So uh, they thought that was totally immoral, and uh, they're down there doing something about it. Not, not everything they could do, but they're doing something about it. Got to say hello to Roy Barron. Uh, I haven't run across Roy Barron before, so he's a new listener. Thank you for joining us. Um, he said he's running for the 2016 presidential candidate as a write-in, and uh, he does indeed agree that the Federal Reserve is a huge Ponzi scam. And you can write in his name, Daniel Roy Barron, and shake up the system we got. Well, Daniel, we probably need to get you on the show and find out who you are, too, because I'm looking for a liberty activist as president, quite frankly. Uh, as Frank pointed out, producer Frank pointed out in the uh, feedback here, Gary Johnson is no libertarian. Well, I've met Gary Johnson, and I'm tempted to agree. So that's why I want to do this little debate with Scott Ford. We're going to work it out because, see, Scott Ford's show goes live uh, at uh, 2 o'clock every day. So he's been on for nearly an hour. So we have this little conflict. So we're going to have to pre-record that and bring it to you. But I think that's what we're going to do. So, uh, Dave Wilson, you've been, you've been a busy man. What, what are you up to? Well, <clears throat> been several things. And uh, I, I think last time I was here, we spoke about the Cypher ISD and how they were going to be taking uh, prayer out of the board meetings. And, That's right. And I showed up for that. You, you did. showed up for that. Yep. Ginger Russell showed up for yep. that. She sure did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was very pleased. We had a, a lot of good patriots that came. And then during that moment of silence, we all stood up there and said the Lord's Prayer. And I was very pleased to see that. The majority, if not all, of the audience joined in with us. And Just so, about everybody joined yeah. in because they realized what was going on. That's right. And Except for the Muslim I seen sitting in the back row. Oh, she yeah. did not join. Is she did right? not say the Lord's Prayer. Huh. Well, I wouldn't expect her to. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't. Uh, but that that fight continues. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen at the next meeting. It's one of those things that... Uh, the next uh, meeting, uh, board meeting of the Cypher ISC is on uh, October 10th. And for those of you that are, you know, precinct chairs or active in the Harris County Republican Party, uh, that happens to be the same date they're having their uh, executive session. And so i got to make a choice, and, well, I'm going to be at the board meeting. Because well, if please. they're going to have a moment of silence, there's going to be a Lord's Prayer being said, please, even if I'm the only one. Let me know, once again, I, I have a really bad memory, and if I don't have stuff written down, I forget. And then even, then even sometimes I miss it. Yeah. But please ding me on that and let me know, because I want to be there to yeah. say the Lord's Prayer with you. And then the other thing they omitted was the pledge to the Texas flag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Doc, and I wanted to tell you something, though, because... You know, when that didn't happen, of course, you started that off. And I don't know if you if you remember or not, but there was a small error. And fortunately, they uh, videotaped this, so you can see it there. But uh, you said, uh, you know, you said uh, one nation under God during the Texas pledge. Yeah, one what, state what, under what God. What was the error? I, I, well, you said one nation under God. It's one state under God. Oh, well, I hate to tell you this, but see, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm a Texas nationalist. Oh! Oh, so that was on purpose. It was on purpose because, ah. you see, Sam Houston, that great prophet of God, said this. He said, Texas shall again raise her head among the nations. And, and because I'm a Texas nationalist, I felt, it, I felt it incumbent to say the pledge properly. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is, 
Uh, right here it is. Uh, on the Texas flag, uh, I pledge allegiance to the Texas One Nation under God, that's, one and indivisible. That is exactly how you said it. That's uh, exactly how I said it. No accident there. No accident there. <laughs> well, I, I should have known better, I guess. <laughs> well, look, that, now the... Uh, now the uh, the the uh, uh, the cat is out of the bag. Oh, I just got buzzed by Grace White here from Channel 11 News, and she's trying to get the video of me being hauled off out of uh, the Harris County Appraisal District in handcuffs. Uh, you probably already talked about that in the first hour when I wasn't here. I assume. Well, I did, but the very as Paul Bencourt, Paul Bencourt was livid yeah. today that the very thought of a taxpayer being hauled out in handcuffs simply for asking questions. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, he was he was livid about it. And uh, he said, as well, he should be. He said, uh, said uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, let me just say, uh, thank you, Grace White. Good testimony today also at the meeting at Harris County Community College. Comma, video on Facebook. I come on at 50 minutes. All right. I'm going to look that one up, that's for sure. It's on the uh, James Green Sr. page because, once again, the teenagers that run Facebook have determined my name is James and I can't be known as Doc. Oh. So uh, nobody knows me as anything other than Doc. I mean, for crying out loud, my wife calls me Doc. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom calls me Doc in public. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's absolutely insane. Anyway, we, we, we pass that on to you. Uh, so Grace White, Channel 11 News. I think that uh, probably there were some people down there that thought this was just going to get swept under the rug and go yeah. away. Yeah. And I kept trying to explain to them that that's not what's going to happen. I do a radio show. I was trying to record my transaction between me and the lovely lady behind the counter so that I could share with the people on my radio show. It was a little private conversation. Yeah, what goes on. And uh, and I wanted people to hear how it works. Yeah. And then, you know, here I am. I'm about to get the answer to my question, which the question was, how does a 1999 Honda van with 275,000 miles on it go from evaluation last year of $1,240 to this year $2,990? That makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, well, it's because you're a celebrity and you're driving it. <laughs> we, we all, we all, what do you drive my car for? I sell it too. <laughs> yeah, we, we all know what a celebrity I am. But uh, nonetheless, uh, that was the question, and I just wanted an answer. Yeah. And I was about to get the answer when the bull walks up, grabs my phone out of my hand, says, you can't use that here. Oh, really? He said, I have the right to take this. Oh, really? Yeah. And he took it away from me. And I, oh. I said, wait a minute, what law, what statute says exactly. that I can't record this conversation? This is a uniformed officer or just one of those? It's, it's a rent-a-cop. Rent-a-cop, gotcha, security guy. He said, I don't care about the law. Oh, really? <laughs> I said, wait a minute, you're violating my First Amendment right of freedom of speech. I come down here to a government office to get redress on my on my unfair taxes. On your grievances, yep. Yeah, and... And now you're you're violating my Fourth Amendment rights by taking my private property. This and by the way, this is valued at over a thousand dollars. I believe if you take that from me, you may have committed a crime. Yeah, I believe so. So, um, it went straight downhill from there. I I, I, I started to point to his badge on his shoulder. You know, they got that little yeah. security badge. I started to point to that. And I said, "You're a law enforcement officer. 
Well, apparently I touched his shoulder when I did that. Uh -huh. You touched me! Uh, he grabs me so by my shoulders, and he rushes me out and slams me up against the wall, calls the cops, and handcuffs me. Really? So, now the cops are quick down there. HPD? <laughs> I had five uniformed HPD officers coming out of the elevator with their guns at low ready. Really? Because he had reported that, you were armed. that I was assaulting him. Oh, he didn't know I was armed. Oh, I see. He recorded that I was assaulting him. Ah, because of that finger point that might have brushed his uniform. Yeah, might have brushed his uniform. And this guy's like six foot three, weighs three hundred pounds. He had plenty of donuts. He's a big old boy. I'm gonna assault. I'm an old man. Look at my white beard. I'm gonna assault this guy. I think not. So. Anyway, you know, it just goes straight downhill from there. They wow. end up cuffing me, dragging me off, and uh, putting me in a locker room with two uh, HP uniformed officers. And then the head security cop comes in and says, well, you know, once the cuffs go on, they don't come off. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what he told me. He said, huh? uh, you know what the next step is? I said, well, I, I don't really know. And he said, well, you're going downtown. Oh, yeah. We're going to review the security tape because we believe that also you violated the law by having a firearm. Oh, really? I said, what do you mean? There's no signs. There's yeah. no I six sign. There's no I seven sign. There's no sign. I happen to know the law. You might yeah. know I've been intimately acquainted. Oh, yeah, I think you it. know that yeah. very well. I said, according to the law, I can carry a weapon almost anywhere except for a courtroom. Mm -hmm. We're not in a courtroom. This is a county building. No, it's not a county building. What? I said, wait a minute. Harris County Appraisal District is not a county building? Isn't that a government building? Yeah. I think it is. Uh Anyway, it's 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 not we're not having a good time here, and uh, so there. So we're going to review the tape to determine what other laws you may have broken. Uh, and uh, so I'm sitting here, you know, for over an hour, handcuffed in a chair. Uh, well, by now, you know, things cooled off. I, there's a male HPD officer and a female HPD officer. Uh -huh. They've got a box of donuts sitting on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> they offer me a donut. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, the hilarity of the situation. It's almost like they got to put it in your mouth for you. Probably. Yeah, well, well they would have had up. to because <laughs> my hands are cuffed behind me. I can't, I can't reach anything. And uh, now, now the guy did the, the the HPD cop did have one valid complaint. He was examining my car forty five. And commenting on what a fine weapon it was. And they said, yeah. you know, this thing's really dusty and dirty. <laughs> and it's just showing a little rust, too. And I said, okay, now you found a violation. <laughs> yeah, I, I should get my pee-pee whacked for not properly caring for my weapon. I agree with yeah. you, officer. You are correct. <laughs> but beyond that, I've not violated any law. Yeah. I just failed to maintain my weapon. He said, well, you know, if you don't maintain your weapon, it may not work when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, officer. I appreciate that. And uh, but they're starting to realize that maybe I'm not such a bad guy. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, after you know they go they pull up the video they review it. Well, wait a minute! It looks like uh, Mr. Green didn't assault anybody here. Uh -huh. In fact, it looks like uh, maybe the security cops a little over the top. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, they come in and they take the cuffs off. I'm still being detained, but they've uh -huh. now uncuffed me. They've got my my gun up on a file cabinet where it's been cleared. The guys did the HPD. Cleared my weapon properly. Because uh, I, I told him as they're removing it from my holster, I said the the weapon is loaded and yeah. locked. Yeah. So that meant you need to drop the magazine first, and then you rack the slide to eject the round that's in the chamber. Right. And they did that beautifully. Yeah. 
And, but they've got to laying up there now. It's fully cleared. The slide is locked back the way it should. The guys were top pros. Yeah. I mention that because I've seen police officers that are not top pros. Uh-huh. But they did a great job with it. So detained or arrested in this case, yes, it's false arrest, and they're hoping this is going to go away. Well, it's not going away. <laughs> Good to you, Doc. Yeah, right, right here, guys. I'll hold that up for you to see it on face on Facebook. There, uh, Grace White uh, with Channel Eleven News is attempting to obtain the footage right now. Yeah. Today, I was fortunate enough to get to testify in front of seven state senators about what happened to me. They were all appalled. If you could have seen the looks on their faces when I'm doing this testimony, and. Uh, Hold that up over for you guys over there on YouTube. You know, isn't that interesting that the timing of all this uh, occurred the way it did? I mean, the fact that you went down there the same day that they Bettencourt was holding his uh, hearing. Well, Bettencourt invited me because I had him on my yeah. show yesterday. That's ah. why you should never miss my I show. I never miss your Paul show. Paul Bettencourt was on my show, and we discussed some of this. He said, well, we're having a hearing tomorrow. Could you come down and testify? Yeah. Because we're talking about taxpayer abuse. But as a result of that, you didn't go down to specifically ask the question, or maybe that was the reason for going? No, my whole reason for going down there today was uh, to stand up for the Texas taxpayer. Very good. And my opening statement was uh, uh, not about my uh, my assault. My mm-hmm. opening statement was the property tax is immoral yep. and should be abolished and replaced with a sales mm-hmm. tax. Yep. Sales tax or user fees, I, I totally agree. But uh, so, something that's going to be more equi- equitably distributed. And you can mm-hmm. catch it on the video. My testimony starts about 50 minutes on that 50 video. Right. But um, I got a huge round of applause. Great. After I made that statement. Because they all, I, I said, none of us would be here today having this hearing if you guys did this with a sales tax. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't have to have an appraisal board, would we? Yep. So there would not be an adversarial relationship between the appraisal board and the taxpayers. Right. Because everybody would pay the tax. I said it picks up the five Ps. Yep. The painters, the plasterers, the pimps, the prostitutes, and the politicians. Oh, and the politicians. Yeah, they so, can't escape, could they? Yeah, and some, <laughs> and some people think that the politicians were already covered in the pimps and prostitutes. But... <laughs> but uh, that's what I said down there. Once again, got a nice round of applause yeah. for that. Everybody knows that this is the fair way to do it. Get rid of the appraisal districts. Yeah. You know why they created the appraisal districts, Dave Wilson? Well, I think just to frustrate us, but tell me the real reason. Well, the real reason they created it is because prior to that, every time they wanted to raise taxes, the state legislature had to raise taxes. They had to have a vote. Oh, wow. And that meant they had to put their name on it. Oh, and they didn't want to do that. That was well, kind of exposing for what they really were. Yeah, because then all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, I voted for John Smith because he was a conservative. He raised my taxes 10%. Well, that's uh-huh. it for John Smith. He's out of there now. So now all of our ire goes towards a bunch of uh, no-name bureaucrats that uh, really aren't even in elected positions. No, they they are appointed. Yeah, amazing. Huh? They're appointed. Yeah. So once they're appointed, you how do you get rid of them? You yeah. got to get them unappointed. How do you do that? Well, you can't. Yeah. Not really. Uh, you they go, go away when they die. That's that, that's it. about it. And you know they have some sunset provisions. You know in the state of Texas as well. And and uh, unfortunately, only rarely does that work. More often than not, it. it uh, uh, finds ways to allocate more funding, and uh, so it's it. Unfortunately, that doesn't work very well either. 
It's it's a sin the way that it's done. It's totally wrong. It abuses the taxpayers. The other thing I pointed out before I got to my assault testimony today uh-huh. was the fact that there should be a point in time when you have made your last payment on your house, yeah. and if you never make another nickel of income, you should be able to live in that house until you die. Yeah. should be yours. It should yeah. be your house. Yeah. You should have that assurance. If I never can ever make another dime, at least I have a place to live where I will not be molested. Yeah. But it's not that way in Texas. And that also got a very hearty round of applause. You know, I, and I honestly think that there, there are going to be some changes coming. Uh, you know, I, I wish it'd be quicker, but, uh, you know, we need to make some headway there. And I think the climate's right. I really do, Doc. And uh, so I'm hopeful, even though I'm very careful to put my hope in politicians. I, I do think that the <laughs> wise man Dave Wilson is. I, I do think that there's some some momentum this time, and we'll see if it holds over. Uh, by the way, Doc, I wanted to ask you: Was there any other Patriots over there that were testifying as well? Or Larry Corkamus was there. Okay, I don't with know. T Fire. Oh, with T Fire. Yeah. Oh I know yeah, T-Fire. Larry Corkamus is mm-hmm. awesome. Not yeah, good. yeah, he was down there, and it was good to see him. Um, there were a couple of other faces that I recognized whose mm-hmm. names escape me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the testimony prior to mine, there's four guys testified before I got up there, yeah. and they were all outstanding. Good, good. Uh, and once again, just pure taxpayer abuse. And the whole point, the three of the guys said, yeah, we got it fixed. We hired a law firm, yeah. and we got yeah. it fixed. As soon as we hired a law firm, we got it fixed. What we discovered, as soon as you show up at a law firm, they don't have time to mess with you anymore. They just yeah. need to do what you ask for and, and let it go. Yeah. Unfortunately, who has the resources to hire a law firm every time you have a grievance. Well, that's it. I don't. You yeah. don't. Most taxpayers don't. do not. And what happened to me down there at the Harris County Appraisal District, if I was John Smith, average citizen, no one would have ever heard about that again. You know what? It's just like the Cypher ISD board meeting that I went to where they replaced the prayer with a moment of silence. Had I not been there, no one would have no known. No one would thing. know. And no, no one, one would know. ask. Exactly. But you see, that's why guys like you and me and, and the other Dave right. Wilson are so dangerous. That's right. We okay. show up. We ask questions. Mm-hmm. We yeah. actually believe we have constitutional rights, yeah. which puts us at odds with the government. Yeah. Well, you know, to give you another example, and I don't know how much time you got here. But, i got uh, about three minutes. I'm waiting okay. for Frank to pop it up here in the window. Yeah. No, I don't want to get Frank mad because uh, <laughs> I have to work with him Monday. But anyway. He'll just shut us off when he gets done, even if we're <laughs> mid-sentence. <laughs> I, I intended to be here at 2 o'clock, but I, I was going to a special board meeting over at ESD9, which uh, controls our uh, fire and rescue here in uh, Cyprus. Yeah. And uh, I had been to their board meeting last week, and they set up. They didn't have everything they needed to so they set up a special meeting for 2 o'clock. So I go over there for the special meeting, and I, I had to call over to make sure I knew what time it was because mm-hmm. they didn't send, they didn't put it on their website. I get over there. They didn't have a posting on the door. And so I go into the conference room, and it's dark. Nobody's there. So I what? say, hey, what's going on here? And so I, I talked to the uh, the clerk there for the ESC, and she's very nice, Karina. And uh, she told me, well, you know, we have it on the calendar. And so she called the uh, the law firm that helps them administer their meetings, et cetera, says, no, nah, we didn't get everything together, and so, uh, you know, we're, we'll probably do it next week sometime. I said, you know, this is ridiculous. You well, know, your time's of no yeah, value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I did have something more important to do, be here. Uh, so, but anyway, so I took a photograph of the appointment book that showed the appointment, 2 o'clock, 
So whenever they have their next board meeting, I'm going to raise some hell because I'm I'm. How is a citizen supposed to know what the hell is going on? I was at the board meeting and said that they were going to meet uh, today on Thursday, the, September 29th at two o'clock. I was there, and nobody else is. And this is just ridiculous. You know, we have governments who just think they operate in their own little vacuum, but if you get one citizen that cares to find out what the heck is going on, well, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Now, obviously, this this stuff is not, it's not criminal. These guys are just, you know, they're, they're just going by the seat of their pants, unfortunately, but we need to call them. And that's what I intend. Well, I think we're done. Thank you, Dave Wilson. The Doc yeah. Green Show is over. On the air. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-host, Alfred Adisk, and James Corbett of the Corbett Reports will be here after the first segment of today's program. Today is Thursday, September 29th, 2016. So let's get started right away with the market report today. There's tons of things going on, and 
hectic day here at Discount Gold and Silver, just like it was earlier in the week. And uh, a lot of these numbers, uh, anyway, let's get started. I think you'll see a reversal in gold uh, probably tomorrow. Right now it's just hovering around that $1,321 level. You have silver down 11 cents today at 1916 you have platinum down four at a thousand twenty eight, and we have palladium up two at seven hundred and seventeen dollars. The USDX today was up a little bit, point one one at ninety five fifty three. Crude oil was up point six five at forty seven seventy, and the paper markets today. Um, the Dow was down a little over one percent. You know, you know. <laughs> A little over one percent anymore. You know what's the big deal? And when you get multiple days of multiple percentages, then of course it can make a deal. But 195 points today to the downside. 18,143. The Nasdaq down 49 at 52.69. The S&P down 20 at 21.51. What the market should tell you, though, again, as I mentioned, we're in this trading range. You're going to see it until something breaks it, whether it be the election. Uh, whether it be something coming out of uh, Syria, whether it be something coming out of, you know, China, Japan, uh, you know, something is going to break these markets, whether it's our debt, uh, whether it's our fiscal year ending, whether it's black money, and what we talked about yesterday, whether it's uh, uh, the Chinese currency trading in the uh, SDRs, uh, you know, whether it uh, involves the money market accounts, uh, October 14th, um, I'm going to be talking about those next week, though, uh, as we get a little bit closer to the date. Possible $300 billion could be being pulled out of uh, uh, out of that market. And, uh, you know, when you have that type of funds being pulled out of a particular uh, area, then you, you're going to, uh, you know, possibly, that just might be the beginning domino. So you're going to have other reactions to that. Uh, so there are a lot of things brewing. Uh, even in March, we've got the uh, debt ceiling. And that's going to have to be uh, at least discussed. And who knows, by then, it could be uh, uh, some major changes uh, going on. And, you know, debt what? Debt ceiling? What? <laughs> What's that? Uh, we're going to forego that another couple of years. But, uh, so there are a lot of things certainly brewing in the financial markets. And I'm going to talk about one today about the homeowners. It's like, oh, gosh, that's a repeat of, you know, 2000 and. Eight and you know what's that got to do with anything today? But but it's interesting because we forget about the homeowners. We forget about that um, those second mortgages, though those credit lines that they took out uh, and principals are due. We forget about the the homeowners uh, programs that uh, uh, Congress and Obama created to to help the so-called homeowner, but you know really didn't help that many at all. Not as many of those that were hurting. And, um, you know, there's things that are coming due. You know, we started coming due last year. Wouldn't expect to see much change the first year. But as these, uh, um, as these numbers grow for 2016 and 2017, you're going to see bigger, bigger numbers that could possibly have bigger, bigger impacts. And, again, um, it's just another two-by-four in the breeze. Ten-year yield today, again, 1.56, no change in euro, 112. And most of the Asian and uh, foreign markets, Japan and London, um, 
uh, was up a little over one percent. Germany was down. Let's just see what that emo. What, let's see what emotion is driving the market today. Well, it dropped. A, I believe it was yesterday. It was forty. Now we're in the thirty-nine territory. So again, you know, you're everything shows how uncertain the economy, investors um, are feeling, and they know these numbers can't hold. But I think people are just kind of waiting on the election. They're, they're, or maybe it's not even the election. Maybe they're just waiting, just like you, the listener, me, Al. We're waiting for that shoe to drop. We're waiting for one of these things to break. And if you're waiting for that one thing to break, folks, you know, you're waiting too long. If you're not prepared and you think you're protected or shielded or or whatever by any of your financial investments, then you know, you're sadly mistaken. You have to be active in protecting your finances, taking control. And this is one of my problems I have with a lot of these high-profile um, uh, entertainers, analysts. Um, they'd either call for 700 gold or 50,000 or 10,000 gold. They tell you all the things that truly are going on in our economy. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of areas they exaggerate, but for the most part, they got the basics and they're telling the truth. The problem is if you believe that they're telling you the truth, why would anybody want to go into their paper investments? And I think that they're doing a, 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 a they're not doing right by anyone who listens to them. Because most people go to them thinking, well, I'm going to be getting gold. No, you're not. You're going to be getting paper. And there is a difference, folks. Don't get fooled in thinking that paper is the same as holding gold, real gold in your hands. It isn't. I don't care what promises of percentage gains uh, that are given to you. You do not own gold. Just because the paper might be related to gold doesn't mean you have gold. It's, it's, it's a corporation. It's a business. It's how it's run. When oil went to 150, how many oil companies went up 1,500% or 800%? None of them. <laughs> so it doesn't mean just because the, 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 the item is going to go high doesn't mean that the, the shares will too. You're gambling. Simple as that is your gambling. So be careful. If you want to gamble and you want to make sure that you're safe, then get your principal and cover it with gold and silver. Gold is your savings account. Silver is your checking account. Um, okay, let's go ahead and get on because I do want to talk about the homeowners. First, I just want to mention these numbers today about global debt. And again, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, global debt issuance is on course to hit a record high in 2016. Is that a surprise? No. But, but it's just like these numbers are just being thrown around <laughs> $5 trillion. The sales, uh, global debt issuance on a record high, 2016, is going to top $5 trillion at the end of September. It rose to $5.02 trillion in the nine months to September 22nd, and this is according to DealLogic. We talk a lot about this global debt. Putting 2016 on course 
to beat the all-time high of $6.6 trillion recorded in 2006. We've seen the record low interest rates that have encouraged countries and, and, and companies to issue debt as central banks around the world are trying to stimulate growth, and they're unsuccessful. They are still doing today what they did in 2006. The data also, sh- the data also showed corporate issuance of investment-grade debt reached a record high of $1.54 trillion since the startup of the year, up from $1.41 trillion in the same period of last year. And we also know about the negative yields. You know, it, it's come down some. You know, it, you, you read numbers anywhere from $10 trillion to $13 trillion. I mean, when you're past $1 trillion, I don't think between 10 and 13 really makes a difference. But for stats, it's uh, $13 trillion of global sovereign and corporate debt trades at negative yields, highlighting the influence of central banks. The U.S. economy is going to suffer another recession in the not-too-distant future. I don't believe we've ever been out of any of our recessions uh, for, what, the last 40 years. They've papered it over with debt to make it look like we've emerged from these recessions. But only through borrowing and only through debt were they, over to, were they able to um, make it and create the illusion that we were out of a recession. I believe the Fed is preparing to send rates below zero because what else? There isn't anything else for them to do. So prepare for it. Um, And we know that the Fed will not simply give up. They're not just going to sit there and do nothing. I believe, and I know Al believes differently, he doesn't think they can go anymore. They're going to go. There's going to be quantitative easing. You you can have quantitative easing in in various modes of of, uh, of, of coming out of the, the Federal Reserve. Might not be called quantitative easing. I think keeping these rates low. Yeah, and they raised a quarter point, big deal. Keeping these rates as low as and as long as they have, that's quantitative easing. But I think they're going to go on a quantitative easing on a scale that is currently unimaginable. It's going to blow the Fed's balance sheet to a level <laughs> that we would think impossible because that's the only thing that they can do. So don't ever be surprised or think they can't. You can never underestimate their power and their abilities. And there certainly isn't going to be any pushback from Congress. <laughs> you know, they'll be right there with them. So, again, I believe we were going to see the uh, uh, negative rates in the world's reserve currency. And I don't believe they drive up consumer spending. They drive them down. It results in less income in the folks who are retired. It's going to force them to to save more, work longer, spend less. You know, there's one out there, demographics, talks about the the retirees. You know, they're not going to have any money. Well, for one thing, the the retirees are the only ones who do have money. (laughs) You know, look at anybody below 50 or 40. They don't have any much money. So we're going to continue to see an explosion of debt. So again, with that explosion of debt, you know, this is all good for gold, so make sure you have it. Gold and silver. Gold is your savings. Silver is your checking. And buy what is suitable for you. 
Uh, we talk about jobs all the time. Uh, we talk about, uh, we hear about the, during this uh, election period, uh, both Trump and Hillary talking about creating jobs. Well, I don't think Hillary would know how to create a job. At least Trump is going to attempt to create jobs. But this came out of London, and this is what they see in their construction business. Um, there's looks like there's a lot of skyscrapers in the city of London that could soon be built by robots rather than by people. Now, we think about robots in, in manufacturing, the lines, uh, you know, maybe in, we talked about fast foods. You go up, you hit a button or two, you know, maybe they'll you know, cook your hot dog for you or your hamburger or whatever and so forth. Yeah, it's not too, you know, not too difficult to, to believe that that is already happening or will be in the near future. But construction? Uh, and this is according to one of the bosses of uh, the UK's biggest construction firm. The results, again, you know, they're looking for more pro- productivity gains as more work could be done by fewer people, which is going to lead to massive layoffs. Um, but she said that we're moving into an era of robots. Yes, we know that. We talk about that all the time on this program. And she even said five years ago she would have just, you know, shrugged it off and thought somebody had too much to drink. But she says it really is not that far off. And then there are huge implications. You know, with the the adoption of robotics, and you have all these other new technologies that could give parts of the economy a radical boost. Yeah, all all the corporations. But the guy on the street, he gets laid off. (laughs) So, again, it's not looking good for people who work for a living. Um, I don't know how standards, they talk about how their standards of living would improve. I can't imagine that happening. Uh, not when you have robots replacing people. So again, construction, not an area that you'd think that you'd see building skyscrapers by robots. But certainly one of the largest firms in UK is saying that really isn't that far off. And I mentioned earlier, I heard an inter- interview earlier this morning that referenced the collapse of 2008. And the discussion was on the current housing problem that we're going to face. And it's in an area which no one really focuses on anymore and has basically forgotten to the impact of the homeownership here in America. We forget that many of these foreclosures are still on the books. Banks, Bank of America, who bought up countrywide, carried probably, what, 50% or more of these bad loans during the, the, the housing crisis. And they're not foreclosing. Um, So people, you know, they can't restart their lives. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. And I know we're going to run out of time. We only have, what, two minutes left in the next 20 minutes. Um, The National Mortgage Risk Index. It was co-developed at the American Enterprise Institute by Oliner to assess how sloppy lending standards are now compared to 2007, when, of course, they were so sloppy they led to, to huge problems. The conservative-leaning think tank performs a stress test on current mortgages. It looks at how all the mortgages being taken out now would perform in a 2007-8 style financial crisis. And he does this by comparing how similar loans back then did after the meltdown. This is a prediction of how many loans would default if the crisis was repeated and is going to be repeated. He found that 12.4% 
of the mortgage loans taken out recently would default. And that is up from 11% just two years ago. And for context, about 19% of 2007 mortgage loans eventually went bust. We're not that far away. And now he's not predicting that all 12.47% of recent loans will default in the next recession. Um, because that last recession was uncommonly deep. Well, I disagree. I think it's going to be much higher, and I think this next recession will be deeper than the last one. But his gauge does give us his key insight. Lending lending standards have slipped, that we're about two-thirds of the way to the level of this sloppiness in mortgage lending, and that really wasn't what I wanted to talk about. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's program. At a reference point, only about 6% of 1990 mortgage loans would have defaulted in a 2008-style meltdown, and we're already at the 12%. So, again, this is another – this is a leaf in the breeze. I don't think it's going to be the major default of, uh, of, uh, of our next recession or the beginning of the next recession. Uh, but I also wanted to talk, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, the, the HAMP program, the Home Affordable Modification Program. And this is what could put significant pressure on the housing market once again. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Alfred and James Corbett will be with you in just a few short minutes. Give us a call at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's one 800 
375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. Our guest is James Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, from the Corbett Report. James is building an international reputation for podcasts, videos, articles. He's kind of a, a communicator for all seasons. Hello, James. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing today? Good, good. Um, got an article from Technocracy News. It says Tesla's Elon Musk claims he will colonize Mars by 2026. There's the headline. And that strikes me as odd because people in my generation, at least, 2026, <laughs> that's, that's, that's in the 21st century that we'll never get there. It's a, it, and then you go, oh, my gosh, that's only 10 years from now. What do you think about that claim that he thinks he can build a city on Mars and and start colonizing by 2026? Uh, I am skeptical because of who it's coming from. And I think people should keep a giant grain of salt in mind when they're talking, when they're hearing anything from Elon Musk, who has always promised the moon and always failed to deliver, but always had plenty of tax subsidies and support from the government to to pursue his various uh, dreams. So I'm not on the Elon Musk fan uh, bandwagon. And I really do think that a lot of what he says is uh, aspirational more than operational. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. And I do think that the future of space exploration is ultimately going to be through private um, private companies. I don't think the government and NASA are going to be the ones that are going to take us there, but I just don't think it's going to come from Elon Musk. But I'm sure he'll get plenty of tax money and credits and, and uh, various government support to try to get him there. You don't think this is coming from the government. You do think it's coming from private entities. You think it's coming from private entities in the sense of corporations, or do you think it's coming from private entities and the source of private billionaires? Because mm. my drift is this being driven yeah. by yeah. powerful, extremely wealthy, uh, egotistical individuals, or will it be driven by corporations that do various calculations and try to create a bottom line? I think you're right to point that out because I do think there's a certain vanity project air towards some of this, and I think Elon Musk would be in that category. I think that the real exploration will will happen through 
private corporations. Um, but there are going to be vanity projects that are going to be funded and may involve, it may actually help further some of the technologies along. But uh, again, I think ultimately this is not going to be any one particular billionaire is going to you know, sh- save the day and, and show us the way to outer space. Um, but again, take all of this for, you know, for, for what it is. It's just my own speculation on the topic. But I think that ultimately it's going to be, uh, it's going to have to be a, a joint private enterprise, probably involving a number of different groups, because I just don't think anyone really has the resources to pull all of this together at this point. Who are we going to see for competition between these private groups and especially private billionaires? And I'm thinking in terms of George Soros, for example. He meddles in a lot of affairs in the world. Is there going to be a time when we can expect to see battles between billionaires? Is Elon Musk I think so. going to yes. fight with George Soros before this is all over? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's like Goldfinger yeah. uh, fighting with whoever in, in a James Bond film. Right. Yeah. No, clearly there is competition and, and, and battles of various sorts that happen between the billionaires. I think those tend to be more Earth-based and will continue to be so for a long time to come. Uh, as I say, I think the billionaires who are involved in these types of projects are more interested in them as vanity projects, and I don't think George Soros is one of those those types. No, I don't think he's but, interested in outer space. Right. He wants to yeah. colonize the world more so than right. Mars. Uh, yes. I agree with that. But I, as an example, one of the interesting—I think one of the interesting trends in recent years between the billionaires is the uh, billionaire media outlets, and we've seen um, mm-hmm. various iterations of that with uh, uh, Jeff Bezos uh, taking over uh, the Washington Post, and um, and uh, uh, what's his name, Piero Midiar, with his Intercept. And, uh, and outlets like that, billionaires basically buying their own news outlets or creating them, is seems to be the trend at the moment. And that makes a lot of sense when you consider, obviously, control of information and uh, putting your own spin on information. It's increasingly important in an information-driven environment where, you know, the difference between a story that gets reported and one that gets swept under the rug can truly make or break certain personal fortunes. Do you think the people who are buying these mainstream news outlets right now when intending to manipulate public opinion. Do you think they're pleased with their purchase or are they having second thoughts? And the reason I ask mm-hmm. that, what about the Internet? Are they really having the effect that they'd hoped for? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. And I think to a certain extent it still remains to be seen. Um, I, I think certainly big established media entities like the Washington Post or whatever, I can't imagine they have the real return on investment. I mean, I I think that's trying to buy into a certain prestige that exists, but I think that prestige is fast waning, and I can't imagine that those types of media dinosaurs are going to continue to be relevant in uh, in the 21st century in the way that they were dominant in the 20th. Now, having said that, some of the online versions of the, the sort of new media, I think, does present a more fruitful investment for these billionaires looking to, to get some return on their investments. Uh, the Intercept is an interesting experiment along those lines, but perhaps the more interesting experiment is Vice, vice.com, uh, which started off originally as a magazine. I believe it was being published in Canada. It was kind of an underground skateboard culture type of magazine that uh, ultimately migrated online and then started to gain this reputation for its 
rather sensationalized kind of slick uh, uh, news reports, you know, trying to make reporting from the front lines of various news stories cool and and underground. Um, But, of course, that was a quickly bought out and has since been invested into the tunes of, I I believe, hundreds of millions of dollars by Soros and others, um, and has basically become a sort of alternative-looking type of uh, answer for the, the mainstream media. It's it's basically promoting a lot of the same things as the mainstream media now, the towing the line on the war in Syria and what's happening in Ukraine and other places of interest for the State Department. But instead of coming through obvious mouthpieces for the establishment, like the New York Times or Washington Post, it has this imprimatur of this, this alternative uh, media site. So I think that is probably where the real return on investment lies for these billionaire would-be news moguls. Do you think they're holding on to their audience, the original audience? The audience is shifting, but one would expect that as we are, of course, moving into an era that is not quite so dominated by the, the baby boomer generation who probably will not migrate into the online alternative media space in quite the same way or quite the same numbers as the generations behind them that are coming up. Um, and so I think that in the long term, the investment is clearly going to be more on, on those types of sites and less on the old media dinosaurs that you know that don't really have the same aura of importance to younger generations. Do you think you can take $100 million, just pull a number out of the hat, $10 million, whatever, Buy, uh, buy a website that caters to resistance movement and start to change it, and the people won't be able to sense that the new money all by itself, does it make, does it make the website so slick that a lot of the people just say, that's not for me? Like, can they tell the difference between mainstream, even if it's masquerading as alternative media, can they pick up the difference because there's too much money floating on the website? Uh, I, I, I don't think can that's you conceal genuinely... the money. That's the point. Can you conceal it? And is the money even a detriment? Are people more interested in getting their news from someone like yourself and the people you're associated with where you're not contaminated or tainted by too much wealth? As much as you might like to be tainted by too much wealth, or I might like to be tainted by too much wealth, just the same, can you get wealthy and still hold on to that audience? I think so, because I don't think that the money is changing the face of these media organizations so much as it is just the underlying content. And I think as long as the face remains familiar, there's a lot of, the substantial majority of the audience tends to tends to go along with it, especially if it happens gradually, bit by bit, so that they don't notice the the change that's taking place. Now, eventually, at a certain point, there will be um, certain people who realize what's happening. But I think you can get away with it to some extent. And I would say Vice is another pretty good example of that, where it still has, I think, in uh, amongst the large section of its readership, this, this aura of Oh, they're very alternative. They do this cool reporting with these young reporters that are doing these hip stories. But it clearly is now promoting a, a much more propagandistic, State Department-friendly type of agenda. And 
and and they keep it going. They still will publish some of the old types of stories about uh, the, against the drug war and and, uh, and and silly stories about you know what to wear to get laid and things like that that still appeal to the the, the sort of underground sensibilities that it came from. But they they implant the propaganda in and around those stories. So I, I don't think the face of the website has changed drastically. They've clearly expanded their operations and they do more video reports and they have kind of more of a budget, but I don't think that's really what's putting off much of the audience. It's only the, the, the people who are really examining the detail of what they're doing who, who care about this, and that's unfortunately only a small minority of the, the overall audience. Marshall McLuhan, another... Canadian like yourself, wrote, uh, I, I can't think of the name of the book, the Gutenberg, Gutenberg Universe, I think was, his, was the title of one of, his, one of his books, but he advocated, he brought the idea that the media is the message. And he seemingly said that style was more important than substance. And if you were using radio, that was one media, if you were using television, there was another, newspapers, magazines. This was prior to the Internet. Do you think his argument that the media is the message, is that still working in the Internet age, or are people beginning to be more impressed by substance rather than style? <laughs> uh, I wish I could say that they were more impressed by substance and style, but I think the internet in some ways is becoming the epitome of that that idea. And I mean, look at a look at a media like Twitter, where it is 140 characters through which you can express your opinion. Obviously, people's opinions and ideas and the way they uh, what they are trying to say becomes shaped by the medium through which they can they can put out that message, so that we. Have I mean, I think the first part of this that most people have recognized and pointed out is the sort of deterioration of the language and RU becomes the letter R and the letter U and people, you know, bemoan that fact that people don't know how to write or spell anymore. But beyond that, I think even the ideas that we can express and the types of back and forth that we have with other people is becoming more shaped by those types of arbitrary technological limitations in a way that I really do believe is starting to rewire the minds of people. And I notice this even myself, I'm not on a high horse preaching down towards people. I notice it is, it is now much more difficult for me to have uninterrupted uh, work on a single subject or a single task for long periods of time without being interrupted by the million notifications and distractions that come yeah. with being online. So it really is starting to shape the way we think. And that is, I believe, to our detriment, um, or it could very much be to our detriment, um, because it, it, it's a, a number of different factors here. But one of them is just the fact that when social interaction becomes social media, you start to have a very different in, uh, relationship to the people around you, so that you generally will spend your time with your head buried in your smartphone rather than talking to actual people around you. And the interactions that you have online are much more likely to be uh, co confrontational, combative. You'll often be dealing with trolls or you'll be responding to the latest outrage more so than trying to build relationships with people. And to the point where, I mean, it really does become a question of whether people can build relationships in the way that they used to be able to, or at least 
you know, most for the most part were able to uh, before. And I, I don't want to be hyperbolic about this, but I really do think there are serious changes coming in the, the fabric and the shape of our social structures um, because they are now all mediated through these types of social media. And you're suggesting we're not just with the, the Internet, for example, is not simply changing people's attitudes and the way they communicate. You're suggesting that it's actually changing the way their brains are wired. And I the result so. will be yeah. that they yeah. may become unable uh, to engage in a normal human relationship. Is that what you're saying, or yeah, well, define define normal. I mean, the normal is what uh, what people ultimately fall into. But uh, certainly, what normal we have known is we at this. least think a relationship is possible. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that well, might, I think that might be normal. I don't know if some of these kids. I'm wondering. They're so deep into the internet. Do you think they even is a relationship necessary? Is a real relationship possible? It's a good question, and one that I can't speak to from direct personal experience. I don't mm-hmm. tend to know a lot of pe- teens growing up at this point. Um, I'm sure I'm going to go through that with my children a decade from now. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see how that works. But uh, but yeah, I, I do have genuine concerns about that. And you just have to look at phenomena like the the Pokemon Go um, craze that happened a couple of months ago, and look at some of those viral videos of the crowds of people running around chasing after these imaginary objects on their smartphone. I know. I know. It's, it's like something out of a sci-fi movie, but it's really well, it's happening. It's kind of like a presidential election, isn't it? Mm. People chasing yeah. after these imaginary creatures. That's what we've kind of got for running for president right now. I agree. got Trump and Hillary and Pokemon. Who are you for? And, and that's part of the online outrage culture that I see is having more of an effect these days. I, I, th- I think we're starting to see the replacement of the old left-right conservative liberal paradigm with a more, it's more like a uh, a social divide kind of paradigm um, between the, the SJWs, as they're called, the social justice warriors, versus the people who are out- outraged at the social justice warriors over race, over class, over gender. Um, those are becoming the push-button touchstone issues that people identify with more than the traditional liberal conservative divide and small government kind of, you know, or should it, should we expand government social uh, programs. It, that seems to be less of an issue for the younger generation than these, these types of social cultural divide issues. And that's a spiral that really feeds on itself. Um, people go online and see... Uh, the, the outrage that's happening because this person said this that can be interpreted in this way and oh that's that's racist that's sexist and then people get outraged about the outrage and then people get outraged about the outrage about the outrage so it it really does seem to be a a, a spiral and I I don't know if there's does anything anyone to... have any understanding there's uh, yeah. the emotion is maybe unbridled but what happens to the understanding does that require more effort than these people are willing to make and you can hold an answer on that. Until we after we return, you got to take a couple commercials. I'm here with James Corbett from thecorbettreport.com. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned.
financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three www.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. This is Financial Survival, and our guest is James Corbett from thecorbettreport.com. James is calling in from Japan, uh, and we're talking about the Internet and the effects it may be having on people's minds and attitudes. And it's not just, this is far more than just a means of communicating information. As you pointed out, there's something happening where outrage feeds on outrage and is conducive to more outrage. Do you think this outrage is legitimate that we see on the Internet where people are arguing, trolling, and whatever, and fighting back and forth? Is it legitimate, or is it just kind of pretend outrage? It's clearly an expression of something, isn't it? And so I don't think we can say it's, it's completely illegitimate or it's coming out of nowhere, but... I think that clearly, the, uh, the, the, as we've been talking about, the Internet as a medium helps to amplify that and to start that feedback mechanism that makes it bigger and bigger. So, I mean, clearly there are, there, there has been, I mean, the culture wars has been a known phenomenon for decades and it's been talked about, but I think that's really, really magnified at this point. And for some reason or another, that seems to be the touchstone issue for a lot of the younger generation. And that's why this election cycle is so, I think that's one of the reasons it's so strange and so looks, doesn't look like anything we've seen before, because this one more, much more so than any other one is driven more by online, various online groups that I don't think would have, would have even existed, let alone had a voice in previous election cycles, like the alt-right that Hillary Clinton singled out. Again, it's primarily a, an internet phenomenon 
that I can, couldn't really imagine existing before the Internet as a medium came along. When we see people expressing outrage and trolling and anger and the rest of that sort of thing, there's a certain amount of unbridled emotion on the Internet. It's conducive to that because there's nobody really watching. You're sitting there all by yourself. If you want to get angry and make some snide remarks or some vicious remarks, you can do it, and people may not even know who you are. Does this unbridled emotion, do you think it becomes a habit, and is it conducive to unbridled remote, uh, emotions in your daily life? Are we losing our discipline while we try to watch every single thing that comes through on the Internet you were complaining about you know, you're, the interruptions seem endless. Are we losing discipline, and is that a problem? Are we becoming more prone to violence in the real in, a, in the real world if there is such a thing? Well, it's it's certainly going to be interesting as we start to see the millennials, you know, come into the workforce and start to either adapt to society as it exists or perhaps change the face of society as it exists. I am part of what I guess would be called the last. The last non-internet generation, I grew up without internet. It wasn't until my late teen years that I finally got online. But we are now in the era where there are children growing up who have never known life without the internet. And that is clearly going to be a different experience because at least, you know, my generation and generations before have had that experience of building real relationships and interactions with people in the real world prior to any sort of online experience. But now we have people whose online and offline lives are somehow one feed into each other and have never been completely separated. So what will society that's structured on that look like? I don't think that's an answer to question yet. Clearly, when people start to enter the workforce, it does change and people have to build sort of relationships with coworkers and things in a way that they don't have to do in the same way in, in the schools. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not that the face of that is going to change as people take these kinds of online arguments and potentially bring them into the real world. I'm wondering whether their willingness to fight on the Internet, take these arguments into the real world, there, does it make, does it incline them to be more, are they more inclined to violence? I mean, you can play these games, you can play Warcraft mm-hmm. or whatever, on the internet or on the computer, do you think that releases some of these antisocial, what might be called antisocial tendencies, and and gets rid of them, or does it encourage them? Another interesting question, um, because it is quite possible that this does act as some kind of steam valve or release valve, so that instead of acting out in real life, people will just go online to their their online safe spaces, as it were, to talk in their echo chambers to people who have the same ideas as them, rather than having to actually deal with people who don't have the same idea. Um, Which, interestingly, I mean, from the perspective of the social engineers, who we often talk about on this program, wouldn't that be an ideal way of trying to manage a population? Now, instead of people in the real world interacting with real people and having to find ways to cooperate in communities, whether they like it or not, just to survive, now, increasingly, people can retreat online and spend more 
more of their mind time in the online space with people who think exactly like them. It does create deeper divides in society in the sense that people can be completely ensconced in their own little echo chamber. They only ever hear the ideas they agree with, and they only ever see the ideas from the other side as kind of a caricature of you know those kind of weird people. Um, but at the same time, maybe it does actually deflect people from going into head-on confrontation in the offline world because it's just so much easier to do that online. Uh, again, I, I don't know. I don't have any definitive answer how this is going to play out. I think we are seeing it play out. This is one of the interesting parts of this, what we've certainly seen over the past year of the developing tensions of, the, I guess, broadly the Trump supporters and the Hillary supporters, I guess, if you want to group it that way. Um, we've seen that the tensions growing. We've seen some of the violence spilling over into the, sure. the anti-Trump protesters attach, attacking the Trump uh, supporters and things like that. Um, will that escalate? Will that continue? Or is it is it focused more on the online? Will we see these types of tensions actually not spill over into the real world? I have been talking about this in terms of the summer of rage and we, we certainly things are, are heating up now and we're going to see more kind of political violence and we're probably going to see, you know, something, whoever wins the election, we're going to see that, that only deepening as uh, the half of the electorate that didn't get their way, take it out. Um, but, but again, maybe they will be deflected into the online world and the online space where they feel more at ease with the ability to, to vent like that. So it could have the exact opposite effect, basically reducing the amount of, violence and rioting and just increasing the, the underlying tension to, to, to keep people pried apart. You know, we, the one thing about the Internet is you can get into all sorts of battles on the Internet, but you don't get punched in the nose. What happens to the Internet warriors who step out into the street and all of a sudden they find out what violence is about when they get knocked on their own butt and maybe get their own nose broken do you think that encourages, is that likely to encourage them to be more violent? Or does it suddenly put things in focus where you begin to realize that the Internet is something of a digital punching bag? And you can wear mm -hmm. yourself out punching that digital punching bag, but it doesn't really punch back. Do you really want to go to violence in the street if you're likely to get hurt? Yeah, yeah I, I think there is the, that aspect to it, which is why... Um, uh, I don't know, I guess the softening of society in some ways. People are more apt to, to vent and say horrible things online, but less apt to have actual confrontations with people in real life, which is kind of strange. But again, I, I look at this from the perspective of a social engineer. If I was trying to engineer a more pliant society, I would want people buried in their smartphones all the time, not interacting with each other, and kind of with this low-level resentment of most of the people around them who don't share their exact views on everything so that they aren't able to cooperate and aren't able to, to do things. And to a certain extent, then, I guess you could say that at the very least, you know, expressions of, of real argumentation and even violence in real life is in some extent a, a, a natural human expression of conflict and, and how conflict often gets resolved one way or another. But now that it's just being taken online and everyone avoids the actual confrontation but goes online to vent, it becomes a, a more a more t potentially toxic situation in terms of the ability to ever get our way out of 
the systems of control that exist, which are all predicated on people being thrown into urban centers where they don't know anyone around them and they don't interact with anyone around them. And there's no sense of that community that has in historical times always been the thing that saw people through the roughest times, like the Great Depression or what have you. And uh, that's that's the thing that's really worrying as we approach, you know, the economic cliff of the 21st century. Do you think that there can be real political change achieved through the Internet? Or does political change only take place in the streets? Do we have to have a meeting? Do I need 500 people that we can see face-to-face that are in the same room to begin to accomplish real political change? Or can real political change take place on the Internet? Uh, or is the internet a little too imaginary, digital? Yes, again, um, again, this is something that I think is being decided at the moment. As we see the, the meme culture and things like that, which are taking, uh, certainly becoming more important in terms of people formulating their ideas and, and their ideologies even, is becoming more based on things that they read and see online and the, the type of meme culture and other things that are popping up. But does that really translate into real-world results? And I think we're going to see that one way or another through the uh, the development of these populist movements, like the Brexit movement in the UK, or like the uh, the Trump supporters in the alt-right in the United States, or uh, various European countries where nationalism is is rising. Either that is going to have a real-world political effect, and we're going to see the the dismantling or the scuttling of the TPP and other those those types of globalist uh, treaties as a result of this populist movement, or we're going to see this populist political movement deflected and shunted off into uh, online spaces where they, people shout at each other that doesn't accomplish anything politically. And I think that's where we're going to start to see the rubber meet the road. And on that note, it's interesting to note the WTO just downgraded their uh, their prediction for global trade growth this year from 2.8% down to 1.7%, a pretty significant um, uh, de- degradation there. And the previous in the year, pre- they were pointing to 3.9%. They expected <laughs> 3.9%, then they go to 2.8%. Now, 1.7. 1.7, yeah, and we'll see what it ends up being at the end of the year. Mm. Um, probably not even the 1.7, but uh, but it certainly is a, a worrying figure because that really, I mean, every every point in in economic history, the global trade is is intimately tied into uh, GDP and and overall economic health. But the interesting part of that, that in their press release, the WTO general director was basically blaming this slowdown in global trade, not on the fundamental economics, which clearly have fallen out since the Lehman collapse, but on these these darn protesters, these anti-globalists who want to close down trade, you know, in, in the WTO's terms. So now, now they're trying to blame this all on these populist movements. So we're starting to see that narrative emerging. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's much deeper than that. It's those those populist movements are not there to attack in the sense they initiate the attack on the World Trade Organization or global trade. They are a reaction to attacks that have been initiated against them by global free trade. They're losing their jobs. They're losing their wages. Their hope for the future is disappearing, and they're reacting I don't know. They're throwing their shoes into the into the gears of the machinery. It's sabotaged, but uh, mm-hmm. somebody's got to take care of them. Um, we're down to what do we got? Maybe two minutes left. Well, let me just question. say this. Go ahead. Can, 
can I just say this on that note? The uh, I think the the, the globalists uh, have still probably truly do believe that in the end, as this all sorts out, that ultimately uh, growth in global trade because of these you know, trade deals will be good for everyone in the end. But the, 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 the little bracketed part that they never told the people is, oh, yeah, but there will be a massive amount of you know, people who are right now employed in these various manufacturing jobs and things that are going to suffer and are going to go through decades of suffering if they ever recover. But, you know, in the end, it'll be worth it. But they never told the public that bracketed part, of course. They tried to keep that off to the side and in the, in the fine print. And that's what's coming back to bite them in the behind. One of the th- where do you think we've got about forty five seconds left? How do you think the growth of the robots, the robot industry and the application of robots replacing people and jobs, how does that fit in with the idea of global free trade? Are the robots uh, for yeah. the robots, against the robots? Who's gonna buy their stuff? Who's gonna buy uh multinational corporations' products if they don't have jobs? Right. Well, that's that's the bigger picture of this. I think in the short run, I think it's perfectly in line with uh, global um, globalists and their their plans. They'd love to have this because then that solves all the problems of the uh, movement of labor and all of you know those kinds mm-hmm. of sticky issues with mm-hmm. real human beings. Now you've got the robots. Who, you know they're not going to jump off the roof of Foxconn or what have you. But in the long run, not right away. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. But yes, I mean, the the fundamental question is, well, what does this mean for the economy when we start replacing not just a a small amount, but massive entire sectors of labor? I mean, it's It's a huge question, but we're going to have to leave it for next time we talk because we're out of time. I want to thank you again, James, for being on the program. It's James Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, from thecorbettreport.com. I'm Alfred Addis. This is Financial Survival. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Please tune in at that time. Good night. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dream, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. Money, money, money. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals, 
Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Thursday, September 29, 2016. It's about eight and a half minutes after 2 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. 800-932-1980. That is toll-free. It will get you on the air. You can also go to our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Everything you need to know about this network is located there. And there's also a chat room. So you can go in there and you can uh, participate in the show because I check in there at least at the break. Um, I try to check in more than that, but I don't always make it. But I try to at the beginning and the break, and then after the show I'm in there quite a bit. But... uh, you can do that. There's, like I say, a delay, you know, between your your comment or your whatever you're going to say about that you want on the show. But uh, you can also go in there and just socialize with other people. So it's there for your use. I, I don't care if you go there or not, to tell you the truth, folks. Uh, you know, my work is done with the, with the uh, chat room. It's there. It works. You know, use it or don't use it. It's uh, no skin off my... Uh, well, my nose, let's say that. Which leads me to this is, you know what? The time for trying to have civil debate and explain and convert and try to get people, you know what? Those days are over. Don't waste your time, folks. Now, am I saying don't try to tell people what's going on? Of course not. But you know what? Be the watchman on the wall. The watchman on the wall doesn't come down off the wall and have a meeting and say, okay, everybody, uh, here's what I see going on. Now, what do you all think about it? No. Look, you know what? The watchman on the wall just says, hey, 
there's an army coming this way, and they're going to kill us all, so get ready. Better prepare. It's not a debate. It's not a social interaction. You just listen or die. (laughs) That's it. And that is where we are, folks. So stop playing games with these people that don't want to listen. And that includes patriots or so-called faux patriots. Because you know what? The patriot community is full of these people. Just like the Republicans. Oh, there's even a name for them. Rhinos, right? But what's the name for, I call them faux patriots. But some people call them patriots for profit. Well, you know what? I don't begrudge people for making a profit in whatever they do. I don't care if you're a patriot, a communist, or whatever. You know, if you want to make a profit, or you can make a profit, then make a profit. There's nothing wrong with making profit. It's how you go about making profit. Now, if you're going to lie to people, deceive people, then, uh, you know, there is that's a crime. And if you're going to sit up there and tell everybody, oh, profit's bad, capitalism's bad. If you're a communist and you tell everybody that, like Bernie Sanders, who lives in a $600,000 mansion, oh, but which one? You know, that's the question. Which one of his mansions does he live in? He has three. This is a communist scumbag out there telling everybody, oh, we need to feed the poor. We need to take it out of your check and give it to somebody else because, well, Bernie, why don't you open up two of your mansions as homeless shelters then if you're such a loving commie that loves all the little people out there? He's a lying hypocrite. Okay? That's what Bernie Sanders is. Sorry. Hillary Clinton goes beyond lying hypocrite. I mean, that doesn't even begin. That, that's like the first thing in her resume. And she goes downhill from there. But we all know about these people. What about our own people? Oh, well, that's a little rough. Oh, well, I didn't like what you said. Oh, I didn't like what you said. Oh, I didn't like how you said it. Oh, that offends me. Or it might offend somebody else. And, oh, I can't have my friends thinking I listen to this sort of stuff. You know what you are? You're the middle of the road. And you know what happens in the middle of the road? That's where you get run down in both directions. So let me make this clear to you. If you're not ready to get up, grab your junk, and get ready for a brawl, you're going to be a victim. And you know who you're going to be victimized by? You're going to be victimized by both sides. You better decide what side you're on and take a strong stand in that way. Or, you know what? Make plans. Enjoy your life because it ain't going to live that much. You ain't going to be around that much longer. You're going to have enemies on both sides. And you know what? Another group of people out there that sadly, and look, I know, listen, I generalize in this broadcast quite a bit. I say, oh, those Mexicans, oh, those, the black community, oh, those women, oh, those rotten faux patriots, you know. And yeah, you know what, let me, let me be clear. I don't, I don't do it much because I don't have to. The rest of the world's doing it for me, okay. I'm bringing out the things the rest of the world ain't talking about. And what am I talking about now? I'm talking about slamming white scumbags. White male scumbags. You know what? I'll tell you the truth. I have met more white male dirtbags that I just would like to just drive their bone in their nose right through their skull. Far more white men than anybody else, okay? But I don't have to say that. 
because we have everybody else in the world. We got the president, we've got the black community, the Latino community, the female feminists. We got everybody out there saying, oh, the white male is a bunch of scumbags. Well, you know what? They're not wrong. They're not wrong. But, you know, wait a minute. We're not the only scumbags on the planet. You know, you're a bunch of dirtbags, too. But, you see, and, and you know, so, yeah, I, I go on about all these other groups because nobody else, well, I can't say nobody else's, other people are, but not the major media. So I don't have to attack white males, okay? We all know that. But that doesn't mean there's not good people in everything. And those are the only people I'm concerned about, to tell you the truth. I really don't care about the, the, the other people. The sooner the better they, they find somewhere else to be, the happier I'll be. But man, if you consider yourself a patriot, you better decide if you got the cojones for this or not. Because things are going to get difficult. Very difficult and very violent. You're not going to be able to talk your way out of it anymore. Oh, well, I'll sue you. Bang, 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 bang. Not anymore, you won't. Yeah. Tell a cop that. I'm going to sue you. Bang, 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 bang. No, you won't. Better get ready. And that leads into, I love lists. And I've got a great list right here for you now, so... You might want to uh, hit the record button, you know, tell your friends, because here it comes. This is going to be good. Uh, how many is on this list here? Let me see here. Okay, only ten. Ten facts your government doesn't want you to know about. And there's plenty more than ten, folks. But these are just, you know, it's a list. Come on. So here we go. Number one, almost 1,200 people. Well, it's actually more like 1,500, but they're going by 2015. Almost 1,200 people killed by United States cops in 2015. According to the Open Source Reporting Project, killed by police, 574 of those who died were minorities, 511 were white, and 107 were undetermined. How does that work? I mean, how are you undetermined? (laughs) How are you undetermined? And these numbers aren't right. But, hey, whatever. Because it really is more like 1,500 people. And when they say 574 of those who died were minorities, well, listen, man, guess what? No, they're not. When you combine all the minorities together, they're not a minority anymore. No, no. You put the Asians, the Jews, the Mexicans, the blacks, and start adding all the other people, the Syrians, the whoever else, right? You start adding all them up. They're not a minority altogether anymore. Haven't you seen the reports? It's about 50-50 now. 
So you can't group all minorities together like, oh, they're killing minorities. No, they're not a minority when they're all together. Now, if you said this many blacks, this many Mexicans, this many Asians, this many whatevers, okay, fine. But you can't just group them together and still call it a minority because it's not a minority when they get together. But yeah, but more of them are still killed. Well, yeah, because more of them put themselves in positions to be killed by police. Look, the black community has a crime problem. The Mexican community has a crime problem. I mean, Mexico's simple. That's cut and dry. There's no, you know, we don't even need to talk about it because you can just look at Mexico. Who runs Mexico? The drug cartels run Mexico. They're a criminal operation. The government of Mexico doesn't run much, okay, in Mexico. The cartels run Mexico. Two, corn ethanol is of no use. Remember, we were told, oh, boy, this is the greatest thing ever. We're going to start We're gonna start distilling our food into fuel that we don't need at a higher cost than petroleum. Woo-hoo! Yeah, great idea. In 2013, the U.S. used 4.7 billion bushels of corn. That's 40% of the total harvest, folks to produce over 13 billion gallons of ethanol fuel. Uh, Well, (laughs) that doesn't sound like a good idea to be burning up 40% of your food, does it? While there's people going hungry in America, really? What about all them poor starving kids in Ethiopia and all the other uh, advertisements we see to send money? Because starving children, more than anything, need money. See, they don't need food. They need money. So send money for the starving children in Ethiopia or wherever the heck they are starving. And they really are starving. So, hey, why don't we stop burning 40% of our corn harvest and, I don't know, Give it to the starving children in Ethiopia and wherever else they are? Yeah. Uh, Three, more than two-thirds, 68.8% of adults are considered to be overweight or obese. Did you get that? 68.8%. I wonder why that happened. Did we all of a sudden just all of America just get lazy and fat? Or is there something in our food supply making everybody fat? Oh, could it be high fructose corn syrup? Could it be aspartame? Oh, yeah. Could it be sucralose? I think maybe we should start looking at that. Because what has changed? Americans didn't used to be obese. What has changed? Kids still play sports at school. People still, people are more obsessed now with physical conditioning than they ever were in the 50s. And hardly anybody was obese in the 50s. Why don't you go back and look at some newsreels from the 40s and 50s? And I'm not talking movies. I'm talking newsreels of real people in real situations. Look around. See how many fat people you can find. Hardly any. But now look around at how many fat people you can see, and it's 70% is fat. Now listen, 
We have become, I don't remember having any personal trainers uh, or, uh, oh, all-night gyms in the 1950s. Do you? Did you see any of that? Have you ever heard of any of that from the 1950s? Oh, I got a membership at the all-night gym. What? There was no such thing. How come everybody wasn't fat? Now everybody's exercising, going crazy on physical fitness, and still 70% fat. Something else is going on. It doesn't take a scientist to figure that out, folks, but yet here we are. Oh, let's see. More than one-third, 35.7% of adults are considered to be obese. More than 1 in 20, 6.3%, have extreme obesity. Almost 3 in 4 men, 74%, are considered to be overweight. Wow. All right, here we go. The United States is a federal corporation. Now listen to this, folks. I mean, I, I've been aware of this for, I don't know, 20 years. But start realizing who's bossing you around. Start realizing who's telling you, oh, we're the sovereign. No, they're not. They're a corporation. In 1871, the United States Treasury went bankrupt as a result of the Civil War. It sought help from global financiers, such as, guess who? Yeah, that's right, the Rothschilds of London. Global bankers were eager to buy. And the Treasonous Act of 1871 was passed by the 41st Congress. The Constitution was altered, and America was transformed into a corporation. Today, it's still a corporation owned and run by central bankers. There is no federal government, only a federal corporation. Politicians do not serve we the people. They work for corporate America and no one else. America's product is you. Now listen, folks, I've been saying this forever. Our trouble, our fundamental change in our government happened at the so-called Civil War. It was really the war of federal aggression, and every state of the Union lost. Okay? It's just... The northern states decided to capitulate with the enemy. The southern states put up a fight and lost. But all the states lost the federal war of aggression. Okay? Now you know why. Now you know how. Because the, the bankers, the globalist bankers, wanted this country. They had it before, and they wanted it back. They didn't like the Treaty of Paris. They didn't like the Revolutionary War. They didn't like an independent, sovereign nation. No, 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 no. They probably fomented the Civil War. They probably were financing the suffrage people, okay, to, you know, just roll. Hey, they had the likes of George Soros was walking the earth back then, too. The United States of America is a corporation that serves a political system that lacks anything resembling true legitimacy. The political system it serves is a handful of elite families and institutions, and they're not elite families, folks. Okay, They're parasitical loser families that just happen to have gotten in on the con game real early and are benefiting from it. But there's nothing elite about these people.
Uh, they use crony politicians such as Hillary Clinton to do their bidding. In what is known as the Act of 1871, the 41st Congress of the United States officially sold out our nation to the Illuminati or the global bankers in the term of global bankers suits you better because the U.S. had reached unsustainable levels of debt. Hmm. And something had to be done. The following is uh, from a post title proof. U.S. Congressional Record says U.S. is actually a British crown colony run by the New World Order. And there's a video attached also, but what it says here, the Act of 1871 essentially destroyed our republic and replaced it with a corporation of the United States, something not taught in any history books and certainly not taught by Common Core, is that the original Constitution drafted by the Founding Fathers was written in this manner, the Constitution for the United States of America. The Act of 1871 altered that, and the newer version reads the Constitution of the United States of America. The 1871 version is the Constitution's corporate replacement, and that might seem to laymen like no more than semantics. It is far, far bigger deal, because in law, words really do mean something. As you'll learn in the video, the corporation of the United States is owned by the Illuminati, which means the Illuminati ultimately make all and any decisions of real significance for the United States. As long as the politicians selected, not elected, by either political party system or those chosen by the global elites personally do as they are instructed to do, they are permitted to give off the illusion that they are the actual decision makers for the country. It has been that way officially since 1871, when the 41st Congress handed the power of the United States to the Illuminati. Okay? The Federal Reserve is a private corporation. The Federal Reserve and Internal Revenue Service uh, income tax were enacted into law in 1913 as private corporations. The IRS is a private collection agency for the U.S. Federal Reserve, and both are no more federal than Federal Express. What is the Federal Reserve System? How did it come into existence? Is it part of the federal government? How does it create money? Why is the public kept in the dark about these important matters? Anyway, uh, the truth is that the Federal Reserve is a private banking cartel that has been designed to systematically destroy the value of our currency, drain the wealth of the American public, and enslave the federal government to perpetually expanding debt. During this election year, the economy is the number one issue that voters are concerned about, but instead of endlessly blaming both political parties, the truth is that most of the blame should be placed at the feet of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has more power over the performance of the U.S. economy than anyone else does. The Federal Reserve controls the money supply. The Federal Reserve sets the interest rates. The Federal Reserve hands out bailouts to big banks that absolutely dwarf anything that Congress ever did. If the American people are ever going to learn what is really going on with our economy, that is it, that it, then it is absolutely imperative that they get educated about the Federal Reserve. Yeah, enjoy that, folks. You're going to be very upset once you complete that lesson. Number six, 47.6 million people in the United States are on the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, food stamps. A, sup a summary statistic report indicated that an average of 47.6 million people used the program in 2013.
Number seven, the U.S. budget deficit. The deficit under current law is projected to be larger this year. CBO estimates that the federal budget deficit in 2016 will be $544 billion. That's a half a trillion dollar deficit. Uh, for those of you that don't understand English, deficit means it's half a trillion, over half a trillion dollars they're spending more than what they bring in. Hey, how can you can you operate your life like that? Can you consistently spend way, way more than what you bring in? I don't think so. But I see we are at break time and I have a couple more to get to. I'll get to right after the break and I got some other uh, I, uh, other news, okay? Uh, we'll be back in a bit.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stepp, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Thursday, September 29th, 2016. It's about 1240, uh, 2.41. Sorry about that. 2.41. Just had a brain fart there from blast from the past. 2.41 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number if you want to. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is the uh, website. All right, let's get back to it. Number eight, we're on number eight, Operation Northwoods. In the early 1960s, American military leaders drafted plans to create public support for a war against Cuba to oust Fidel Castro from power. The plans included committing acts of terrorism in United States cities, killing innocent people and U.S. soldiers, blowing up a U.S. ship, assassinating Cuban emigres, sinking boats of Cuban refugees, and hijacking planes. The planes were all approved. The plans were all approved by the Joint Chiefs of Treason. I mean, staff, but were reportedly rejected by the civilian leadership, then kept secret for nearly 40 years. So, you know what? Does this sound familiar to you? Let's see. Let's go through that again. Let's see. Uh, Public support for a war against fill-in-the-blank to oust fill-in-the-blank from power. Hmm. The plans committed uh, included committing acts of terrorism in U.S. cities. Hmm. Killing innocent people and U.S. soldiers? Hmm. Blowing up a U.S. ship? Hmm. That hasn't happened yet, but it will. 
Assassinating Cuban emigrants? Hmm, well, nobody started assassinating Syrian refugees yet or Mexican illegal aliens, but that's coming, folks. Sinking boats of Cuban refugees and hijacking planes. All approved. Yep. Wow. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, then it goes on to say Wikipedia defines Operation Northwoods as. I don't care what Wikipedia has to say about it. How about number nine? This is a good one. Started a little uh, adventure. The Gulf of Tonkin. Oh, I bet there's a whole generation out there that have no idea what that even is. Well, the Gulf of Tonkin incident is the name given to two separate incidents involving the Democratic Republic of Vietnam and the United States in the waters of the Gulf of Tonkin. On August 2nd, 1964, two American destroyers engaged three North Vietnamese torpedo boats, resulting in the sinking of one of the torpedo boats. This was also the single most important reason for the escalation of the Vietnam War. Because prior to that, folks, all they had were what we call advisors on the ground. Do you want to know what a U.S. advisor is, folks, in a, in a situation like, oh, I don't know, Syria, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan? You want to know what a U.S. advisor is? They are special forces troops. Okay? They are special forces A teams. And what they are to do is not to go out and do, you know, terror runs and all this. What they are to do is train an army of locals in the art of war. Okay? And then they go out in the field and advise them, you know, to make sure they're doing it right. That's what an advisor is, not some guy behind a desk saying, well, I don't think you ought to do that. That's my advice. No, they are training troops in the art of war, organizing them, and then leading them. Okay? Oh, no, they have their local leader. Oh, you're the local leader. Well, guess who you're taking your orders from? Oh, not orders. Did I say orders? I meant advice. Yeah. How do you like advice when somebody's got a gun to your head saying, you know, I think you ought to do this. What do you say? Well, you know, I'm seeing it your way all of a sudden. Yeah, that's a U.S. advisor. And number 10, and like I said, this list could be thousands long. But number 10, the U.S. government uses the Hegelian dialectic on its own citizens. Problem, reaction, solution. Psychological operations, also known as... uh, order out of chaos and has been used in some form for thousands of years as in a mass mind control system. Create a problem, manufacture a reaction, provide a solution. The state, this is the quote, has the supreme right against the individual whose supreme duty is to be a member of the state for the right of the world Spirit is above all special privileges. Hmm. Who was that? Well, Hegel. The guy who... The Hegelian dialectic? Yeah, Hegel? Yeah. uh, Read the rise and fall of the Third Reich. 
Okay. Eleven. Well, there is more. They give you an additional one here. <laughs> hey, Virginia eugenics program. They call this a bonus fact. In total, 7,325 individuals, meaning men, were sterilized in Virginia under its sterilization law. Well, men and women. Uh, of those sterilized, about half were deemed mentally ill. Uh-oh, folks. And the other half, remember now, listen to me, if you are a Christian, the government considers you mentally ill. If you believe in the Constitution of the United States as the supreme law of the land, you are considered mentally ill by the very government that Constitution supposedly created, which we now, you should know, isn't actually the government that that document created. So, uh, pay attention here. About half were deemed mentally ill, and the other half deemed mentally deficient. Well, gosh, if the public schools keep going the way they're going, it won't be half mentally deficient. The whole sticking population will be mentally deficient. And I think we're not so far from that already. Approximately 62% of total individuals sterilized were, fi were female. Some estimate the total number of sterilizations as high as 8,300. Sterilization in Virginia occurred under state law between 1924, and some of you might say, well, yeah, back in the old days when everybody was stupid and didn't know anything and were evil and bad. Now we're all nice and better and smart. Well, yeah, but this program went from 1924 to 1979. Yeah, 1979 is when Virginia decided to stop forcing sterilization on people they deemed unworthy to procreate. It thus appeared to have continued such sterilizations longer than any other state. Wow. On you, folks. You love your government, do you? Yahoo says the hack of their 500 million users was state-sponsored, but a security form calls that BS. InfoArmor, which provides companies with protection against employee theft, identity theft, said the hack trove of user data was later sold to at least three clients, including one state-sponsored group. Reuters was unable to verify the report's finding because they don't have anybody there smart enough to figure this out. Yahoo declined comment. You see, oh, well, let's see. We got a Hillary Clinton clone running Yahoo, and she just figures she can get out there and lie and just, hey, it's the Russians. The Russians did it. Because, folks, that is what they mean when they say state-sponsored anything anymore. State-sponsored terrorism, state-sponsored hacking, state-sponsored. What they're saying is that's Russia. It's not Russia. Anyway, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which is investigating the hack, did not return a call seeking comment. A U.S. government source familiar with the Yahoo investigation said there was no hard evidence yet on whether the hack was state-sponsored, which means we haven't created the evidence yet. Attribution, uh, attribution for cyber attacks is widely considered difficult in both the intelligence and research communities, but it's not so difficult for them to just throw around accusations now, is it? The task is made especially challenging by the fact that criminal hackers sometimes provide information to government intelligence agencies or offer their services for hire. 
making it hard to know who the ultimate mastermind of the hack might be. I mean, really, what sovereign nation out there really gives a damn what anybody on Yahoo's doing? Hello? Really? Don't you think a state-sponsored hacker would be, like, spending more of their time, I don't know, hacking the Pentagon, hacking the NSA, hacking the CIA? Don't you think they'd be hacking them? You know, hacking even the Federal Reserve. How come they haven't been hacked yet? See, all those entities would be of concern to state-sponsored hackers. Yahoo email accounts? Really? How bored are these? You know, I mean, it seems like we're on the verge of World War III, uh, financial collapse, and all kinds of other things. Oh, by the way, there's a solar storm on the way to Earth. I'm not saying it's going to do anything. I'm just saying it's there. Hey, I've told you about AFRICOM and what they're doing. They're running two missions a day, every day, seven days a week in Africa. Of course, they don't. They don't say what those missions are, but, gee, what would a military mission entail? I would figure it entails blowing stuff up and killing people. I mean, hey, isn't that what the military is supposed to be doing? Well, apparently it really is, because the U.S. military is building a $100 million drone base in Africa. Wow, that's nice. Are you kidding? No, that's not kidding. Here's a little bit of hypocrisy. Well, actually, this is the whole poop pile of hypocrisy. And we just see that uh, Chelsea Clinton is another chip off the old pile of crap. Chelsea Clinton uses a private jet to travel to the Clean Energy Roundtable. What the hell does this punk kid got to say about anything? Hey, maybe she ought to get a job, huh? Maybe she ought to go out and try to start a business. Maybe she ought to go do something like that. Get a little life experience before she starts shooting her mouth off at round tables that she don't know anything about. Oh, and taking a private jet to a clean air. Yeah, that's, that's real. Yeah, okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, sure, okay. And nobody seems to think that this is a problem. Why would you listen to anybody who does something like that? D.C. Leaks exposes anti-Trump liberal Christian groups are accepting big money from George Soros to shill for his globalist agenda. Money changers in the temple, you might say? Yeah. An open letter signed by more than 75 of America's evangelical and Catholic leaders calls upon politically progressive groups that claim to be members of the traditional faith to refuse financial assistance from left-wing billionaire political activist treasonous bastard George Soros and his political scumbags. So, you know what? Ask your preacher if you're in one of these mega churches. Oh, are you allowed to even talk to your preacher at the mega church? How does a man minister to 5,000 people? Huh? Do you even know their names? Could you rattle off 5,000 names? I don't think so. I would imagine talking to your real to your pastor at your mega church is somewhat similar to trying to talk to your senator that supposedly is representing your state. It depends on how much money you've given him. 
get this, Obama authorizes admission of 110,000 more refugees in 2017. Well, he'll be gone in 2017, so the next president can just say, oh, no, you're not. That's canceled. Do you think Hillary Clinton's going to do that? No, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, she said she's going to increase that. Donald Trump says he'll end it. Well, they could both be liars, but the thing is, what else we got? You got to go with the guy who says we're going to stop it, unless you are somebody who wants the destruction of the United States of America. And I mean further destruction, should I say, because, uh, you know. <laughs> Get this. A student is suspended and visited by cops, forced into a uh, psych evaluation. Guess why? Because he did a pro-Second Amendment school project. Yep, Manville, New Jersey. Time out, lunch detention, and in-school suspension are all forms of discipline, among others, which teachers have employed to punish students for misbehavior. But after Frank Harvey, 17, a Manville, New Jersey high school senior, completed a pro-Second Amendment project, his school ordered him to get his head checked. The incident began Monday after Harvey, as many students sometimes do, left his USB drive in the computer lab. Another student opened Harvey's 11th grade project and reported him to school officials. At 7 p.m., see, the indoctrination is working, folks. Now we got the little darlings turning in each other. Isn't that sweet? At 7 p.m. Monday evening, Harvey's family said they were paid a visit by local law enforcement who investigated Harvey's claims. The project was from last school year and cleared him of any criminal mischief. But that apparently wasn't enough to satisfy the Manville School District who suspended and then promptly ordered Harvey to undergo a five-hour psychological evaluation. Oh, we go back to the mental, mental illness thing here, remember? Oh, maybe they'll sterilize him next, huh? stemming from the months later discovery of his anti-gun control project. It seems the teacher who assigned the work can no longer recall having done so, but the 12th grader disagrees, and so does his family. Harvey said the teacher approved his top topic against gun control. He completed the project and received an A for his efforts. Harvey, now a 12th grader, says he completed the project as an assignment for his college career readiness class during the 2015-16 school year. Screenshots of the video project titled About Guns show Harvey's position was supportive of an individual's right to self-defense using guns. He cited several incidents involving home break-ins that were thwarted after homeowners fought back with a firearm. Harvey also inserted a few political cartoons which suggested citizens should arm themselves in the event of an active shooter scenario. And another which stated gun-free zones don't help citizens be safer. The Harvey family so disturbed by the demand their son undergo psychological evaluation and desiring to clear their son's name took the case to the court of public opinion and notified New Jersey's News Channel 12. I've never been a violent person, the soft-spoken young man told reporter Chris Keating added. I've never had detention in my life. Explaining further, he said, I was assigned by the teacher, and I got the topic, which was anti-gun control, approved by the teacher. Harvey's mother, Mary Vervan, said, I'm not taking him for a psychological evaluation because his teacher is lying and won't own up to what she did. Vervan alleges the teacher assigned it. My son did his homework, and he got kicked out of school for it. They basically labeled him, pigeonholed him, tormented him, hold that against them, watch every move they make. 
The Manville School District refused to comment on Harvey's individual case with reporters, but the incident has, uh, has now made national news in what appears to be yet another suppression of a student's right to free speech. It's not just a student's right to free speech for crying out loud. Look, the Second Amendment's not a good idea. It's the law of the land, all right? Get that through your stinking communist head. It isn't just a good idea. It is the law of the land and has been since the beginning of this country. I got to go. We'll be back uh, at 8 p.m. We got great stuff coming up between now and then, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Peacock Canvas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children once had hope, now in the street. They all need what you need, first aid, beds, Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is September Well, most just don't realize it, but we are in that time of the end, and that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620 620- Eight seven eight four six eight two six two zero eight seven eight four six eight two. And in an emergency, my cell phone number is three one six six one nine four eight eight six. Excuse me. You can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, our email address, and our mailing address at our blog, which is very simply prophecyhour.com. Now, I know that when you first scroll over there, you know, it's a lot of news and things that you can see, and there's a lot of things over there. But some people, especially folks on smartphones that just want to get to radio archives and click over there and just see them scroll down, go to messiahsbranch.com. That's messiahsbranch.com. You can also check out branch.potomatic.com. These are all smartphone-friendly, in fact, at branch.potomatic.com. They have an iPhone app and an Android app, and so go there, get it, listen to the programs. We're also working on an app from just Messiah's Branch, and if somebody knows anything about those, hey, and you can help me out with that, 
email me, text me, call me, do something, because I could use some help for that, and I think it really help the ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I also challenge you to share these radio programs with at least two or three other people. Remember, prayer requests can also be sent by United States Postal Service and by email with your return address. If you include your return address, um, then we can mail it back to you after we take them to the Wichita Mission Church in the Northern Mithril and pray over them. And remember, we won't use your address for any solicitation for donations. Also, if you include your phone number on that, we'll call you back if you want us to for a prayer that way. <clears throat> and remember, we are a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast live on the net internationally, so pray about supporting our time. And of course, I want to thank all our listeners based on this worldwide in places like Bonn, Germany, and Frankfurt, Germany. What I heard the people over there in Germany may be faced with a national crisis. We'll talk about it later on this program. But also South Africa, Brazil, France, London, Norway, and of course cities in the United States like Denver, Colorado, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Portland, Oregon, Tampa, Florida, Toledo, Ohio, New Orleans, Louisiana, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which still remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs, at least when they podcast later on tonight. Now, prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, Father, I just pray that Radio Night goes according to your will and not my will, and I pray that you give me the words to give the people so that they might be warned in this time that we're in and so we might all draw closer to your ears to you, Father. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name, amen and amen. <clears throat> well, today I feel led to talk again about the coming darkness as it's starting to cover the world. But before I do that, I, this song I played over and over because it does show my heart, and you wouldn't believe, in fact, I was discussing it briefly with my producer, you wouldn't believe the people that really like this song. So here it is, a song called The Message from Brother Ben. Don't you know 
guests to have on and what certain message that I should give or um, bring on by, you know, a particular radio guest. And I was, you know, giving a deep thought. And I, for some reason, I just, you know, I get to this point where I'm just not, I get where I'm not concerned about a guest like today. Um, and that usually ends up meaning that there's, there's something coming, you know. And so I, I was wondering today about what to do for the guests for my first program and and uh, I had a couple of ideas and people that I'd sent things out to, a couple of people that I could have called. As you know, I've got a lot of regular folks that I could call in a moment and have be on with me, and all have good messages to give you. Um, but what caught my eye that brought me on today was a handwritten letter sent to Fox News. This is by Goosefire, you know, a.k.a. Marcel Lazar Lahil. He's, a, he's that Romanian hacker that's responsible for hacking the computers of a number of government insiders, including people like George Bush, Colin Powell, um, Lisa Murawski, and Sidney Blumenthal, and also a former aide to Bill Clinton. <clears throat> he's also accessed the email accounts owned by two members of the Council on Foreign Relations, members of the Rockefeller family, and accounts owned by Adam Poston, a member of the CFR and the Trilateral Commission, and his wife, another, owned by a former Federal Reserve Board official. So he's really hacked some people. These people, um, you would call them, a lot of them use the conspiracy therapies. Come on, the Rockefellers and all these people trying to rule the world. But again, uh, let's go on with it. He says his intention was to expose the Illuminati and the Council, meaning I assume the Council on Foreign Relations, because I'm quoting from a handwritten letter that he had. In this handwritten letter, he calls Hillary Clinton one of the high priests, a goddess of this occult, Satanistic shadow group. He also said, I invested a great deal of time and effort trying to expose the crimes of the Rockefellers, the Bush clans, the Clintons, and many, many others. You know, he's seen things, of course, he was not supposed to see. Wake up, folks. These things aren't really conspiracy theories. These elite people, 
that go to the Bohemian Grove and do all these different things, they are interconnected, and they are trying for a one-world thing. They're trying to push us to a one-world government. That's the globalist. That's what's really going on right now, which you even see in the election, is a battle between, uh, between uh, the globalists and the people like us that don't want to be under global power, that don't want that. In fact, uh, maybe you're right. I'm saying that to my producer because he texted me just now and said, because I said conspiracy theories, he said conspiracy facts. That was actually, thank you, Frank, that was what I was looking for when I wrote conspiracy theories in this. But maybe one day he will be able to speak. Really, though, I'm surprised he's even still alive as he is in a Romanian prison. Also, I noticed Hillary criticized North Carolina's Republican governor over the state's bathroom bill during a campaign stop in Raleigh on Tuesday. She says, right here in North Carolina, a very mean-spirited, wrong-headed decision by your legislator and your government governor to pass and sign House Bill 2. That has hurt this state. Hurt the state, really. Clinton told this to a crowd at Wake Technical Community College. That notice for going after the youth, boys after the youth. But more than that, it's hurt people. It sent a message to so many people that, well, you know, you're not really wanted. You're really not part of us. And this is Hillary talking, of course. My American dream is big enough for everybody. By the way, House Bill 2 was passed in the spring, and it requires transgender people to use public bathrooms and locker rooms that match the gender they are born with. After all, that's the way it is. And it, who are we to now all of a sudden people that are non, people made this decision that are non-doctors. Doctors have said prior to this, ongoing, that this was in fact a mental illness. Transgenderism is a mental illness. Well, I think it's something more than that, but we won't go to there right now. But what is her American dream? To do away with Christianity? After all, she's a globalist. She wants open borders. She's Obama on steroids and even worse. There really is no normal This is really no normal election. Of course, was there ever really a normal election? I don't know. I can't remember so. It seems like ever since Reagan, all we've had is globalists in. The fate of America hangs on this. And is it just America that hangs on it, or is it the fate of the whole world? Remember that what the Bible says about men and women and, and uh, each other's clothing, it says it's an abomination. So look, what does your value say? Are you biblical? Do you believe that you're biblical? If you're biblical, then why do you not go by these values? You know, the world has spent so much time trying to convince you that you only need the New Testament and they have put these worldly ideas in your brain so that you would get away from the instructions. What's the instructions, you might say? Well, the instructions is, you know, you could even ask a Muslim that. Well, what is the instructions? What is, what is that? Well, they'd say, well, that's the Torah. That's the Torah that was given to Moses by the Father. Um, that is the instructions for holy living. That's what that is. The instructions for holy living. Torah, after all, does, it's an archery term that means hitting the mark. And so missing the mark is sin. So the, the problem is, is while the world calls it law, and it's a law that supposedly is done away with, yeah, the Torah contains law, but it isn't all law. But that isn't the point. It is instructions for holy living. 
You know, you think that the father spent most of uh, all of the Bible, look how much he wrote, trying to get people to follow the way that they should live holy, just so that when Yeshua would come, and after all, the word he is the word, and the word was made flesh. So if you did away with the Old Testament, and he's the Old Testament because he's the word that was made flesh, then wouldn't you be doing away with Yeshua himself? Of course you would be. Why would he spend all that time to, and then say, okay, it's all right, change gears, let's do something else, let's do exactly the opposite. No, one of the last words that we find in the Old Testament is it tells us that he changes not, the Father changes not. So these rules still apply. So it's wrong for men to dress up as women and women to dress up as men. Anyway, if we don't stop her, the world is next. Yes, the world is run by Gobas who hate Christian values. We sh- she protect us from the United Nations? I mean, the United Nations, have you been listening at all or watching? They're now talking about the United States paying black people back for once having been in slavery. Now, while well, I know slavery wasn't right, but, you know, what about the very African nations that sold the people off into slavery or the Muslim slave traders that brought them to the United States? They don't talk about that. Shouldn't they, if anybody should pay reparations or whatever they call it, um, shouldn't they be the ones that do it? And why should you? Look at it this way. Not, I don't think that you can find many, and I'll say many because you can't ever tell how anybody's head really is, where it's at, but could you find very many um, people of the, the black race that would want to actually go back to Africa? Like that, Because if slavery didn't happen, then they wouldn't be here. They may have eventually came over, but for the most part, they probably not would have not have been here. And so they would not be able to take uh, part in this American dream and this Christian freedom and the things that we enjoy that are soon to be taken away if the wrong person comes into office. And what about the Internet? Why is America sidetracked with it? Well, we're sidetracked with the election, which we should be sidetracked with the election or watching the election. Obama is about to give away the Internet this coming Sabbath. That's the first of the month. Once that, that happens, they say that this can't be turned back. We can't say, wait a minute, and rein it back in. Once we give it away, that's it. Now, there are a couple of states I noticed today that, that are out there trying to sue to stop this action. But the problem is, is will they get the right judge? Because there are so many federal judges that across this nation that have been put in during Obama's tenure in office that are liberal judges that will go along with Obama automatically. So who will do it? And I noticed there was only like, I think, three or four states doing this. What's the matter with the rest of the states? And why is America sleep at the wheel on this? I don't get it. Because they're, so many of them, so much of it is globalism. They want this control. You know, they're even talking about, I read an article today about the FCC. You know, they are almost to the point, to, they're, they're, they've got a little trick up, let's see. They're going to say that any, um, any um, news agency that is, has 5% or more owned by a foreign company or by foreigners, if they, 5% is owned by a foreign company, 
then they are not allowed to comment on elections, candidates, or anything. That big target is Fox News. Now, you know what? I have really been upset with Fox News. I liked them a lot, and I still like them better than the other stations because they do have people on there like Sean Hannity and a few other ones that will seemingly give close to the truth or, you know, but the point is, is they would immediately be shut down because Fox News, <clears throat> after all, is owned mostly by uh, a foreign company, a British company. But the point, so the point of the matter is, is they're trying to shut everybody up. And if Hillary comes into office, um, and it wouldn't have to be Hillary, if any Democrat were to have come into office, then it, would, it will dramatically change things because all of these things that have been opened up are going to be are going to go on, especially the Supreme Court justices. See, just like I said, this is going to court to stop them from giving away the Internet. If it gets in front of a local judge, it's over with. Well, eventually that would go up to the Supreme Court. And if the Supreme Court has had liberal judges put in it, then that means the Internet shut down. And that means, get it? The Internet will not necessarily shut down, but your freedom of speech will be. People like me talking to you on radio and American Voice Radio probably would not be in existence. Neither would some of the other people that you like out there so well. They won't be in existence. They won't be able to speak because of this freedom of speech. And they will. And other countries will be allowed to come after you. You know, at least... With American Voice Radio, you would have another option. You would be able to listen to us on KU Band Satellite. And you should talk to Frank about KU Band Satellite because they sell satellites over there. And these satellites aren't all that expensive. I think they'll be between $100 or $150, something like that. And one of these satellites you can pick up with extreme clarity what we're broadcasting. And those Internet rules would not apply on that. And so it's a very good thing to get. You also, for a short time, we could possibly go back to shortwave radio. But that would be just for a season before they literally come after us and shut us down. Folks, we are in that time of the end, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. This election um, is just very imperative. Trump, yes, is no saint, but we must get out and vote if you share your values or your freedom. Yes, maybe it's too late, but we should try, shouldn't we? Is it... I believe that it's never over until it's over. I mean, you know, until the last, we used to say it's till the last dog's home, so to speak, when I was in the world. You know, you should get out there and do something, and you should talk to, to others. This is imperative. Anyway, um, so my, my prayers are that you pray about this radio program, folks, and, you know, pray about what we're saying, because you know what, I risk, well, I believe that I've been anointed to do this. You know, we, we risk great things, uh, sacrifices, in order to do this for you, to order to speak straight to you, to try to bring you the truth. Just as there are so many people out, there are a lot of people out there doing it. I'm not claiming to be the only talk radio person that's doing this, but I'm one of them, and I'm trying to do something, you know, at risk for myself and my family and our ministry and our church. So, um Pray about it. Anyway, you need to check us out. You go over to prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And remember, you folks that are listening on smartphones, try messiahsbranch.com. Try messiahsbranch.com. Soon we're going to be coming up with another uh, site for you um, that we're working on 
probably a couple of months away, but we're also working on some other things. But we'll talk about that when we come back from break in three minutes.
back. This is Pastor Dan Catlin. You're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, please remember to pray tonight about a donation for a work with our homeless employer from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. You know it's wintertime, and last week, well, I'm just going to uh, I'm going to take it out of the norm and just talk for a minute. Um, last week, you all, and thanks for the response that was given to my wife um, last week. But anyway, here's the point. We talked about quite a few things last week. One of those was the bus. Of course, we got the bus fixed, and the bus was raining. You know, it's got another short problem with it, but we're working it out. Um, and we had a little bit of money come in. We didn't have everything that we need coming in by any way far, but we had enough to to get our head above water. Um, but, we, you know, we still need your support. I mean, dramatically do we need your support because we haven't came out of that summer slump. But you need to please support us so we can care for the people that the Father sends us. We really do need your help for food, food, winter clothing, over-the-counter medications, and we never get any help. Well, I won't say never, but we usually don't get any help from any organized churches or government agencies. It's only folks like you that supported us for the 17th year that we're in that makes this mission church work. You see, you know, let's go on with this. I'm I'm just kind of really frustrated tonight. Because of all the bureaucracy that's against us. You know, we go over there. We're, we are a church. We're a bona fide church. We're not a 5013C. But if we don't have that 5013C, we, it stops us. The agency, well, we can't help you because you're not a 5013C. Well, you know, they don't even have to be one. But it's the government's deal to say, look, if you want dealt into this, you have to keep your mouth shut. You can't talk about politics and do all these other things. And so you take the 5013C and we'll be, fix it where you can get some world-class donations because we could. There's been so many people that's told us that, well, go get a 5013C and then maybe we can help you. Well, I'm not going to go into the bondage of the government. I'm not going to put the church under it when the church doesn't have to be under it, even when the IRS says that they don't have to be under it. That's the way it is. It's, you know, it's C3, you know. But the point of the matter is, is that... Um, so we're trying to do things in the right way, according to the word of our Father, according to Yeshua. We're trying to do it the right way. And so, yeah, it's tough. It's just like it's tough um, doing the things that we do. It's so easy to go along with the world, but we don't go along with the world. You see, we're supposed to follow the Father, not follow the world. And that's what it's all about. So, yes, we minister to so many people, and, you know, we'll keep doing it as long as I can I can stand up and unless the Father tells me to do it, not to do it, or they take our building away or something, we're going to keep doing it. And we do it at this great sacrifice, just like my wife said. You know, um, it's her life, and it's right. We built our life around it. Our children were brought up around the mission church and about helping others and helping the poor and helping the homeless. And this is what we do. And so, yes, it's our life. The other days of the week that I'm, when I'm not completely involved with the mission church, what am I doing? I'm doing radio, or I'm getting looking for radio guests to bring you the truth. We're putting out news on the blog spot to get you news. And you know how many hours we have to spend in reading to do that? Because I just can't just post the articles without knowing what's in them. Because I'm scared that 
I would be responsible to give you misinformation. So we really try our best, you know, and I want to thank <clears throat> We're talking about radio for a moment. You know, radio was brought in, is brought in to, so that it helps fund the mission church. Excuse me, I've got to get a sip. The mission church. But, um, so radio is really important. This is our major way of fundraising. Well, I had somebody contact me in California, and brother, if you're listening to this program, I want to tell you I appreciate it. He's going to send me a new uh, board, mixer board, I guess it is. It's with a digital recorder and some software for it and another mic. I appreciate that. I really do. We do really need that. But, folks, really what we need out there, if you're listening, if you've got an old screen around there, we need another screen really bad. Actually, I could use two of them really, really badly, but I also need a decent camera because we're trying to go video. You know, you think, well, you must get tons of donations. You should just go buy one. Well, most all money <clears throat> goes into the mission church, and so it's hard to take money away unless it's for a specific donation for radio. The donations come in. We use them for the Wichita Mission Church, you know, um, to keep the, to, to do that, and it takes so much money to do it. And I'm not trying to overbeg in that way. You won't listen to the program, so we'll move on from that. But anyway, radio airtime's coming up. It's due on the first, and so pray about supporting radio airtime. We really do need your help for that. If you enjoy these programs and you're blessed by them, then you should donate to radio. After all, remember we're not like a lot of radio programs. I'm not out here trying to sell you. Um, survival food and such, even though I believe strongly that you should have survival food, I'm not going to tell you you need it and sell it to you. I just can't do that. Even though they offered me a pretty good commission for doing that, I just can't do it. It's just not me. And so we don't sell anything, and so we need your help. So pray about it. Um, Remember, all donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. And remember, pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. You can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at prophecyhour.com or call me at 620-878-4682. Now back to, to what I was talking about. <clears throat> you know, even the, the protesters uh, that's in Chicago say when, when Trump gets there, they're, they're going to be violent. And, you know, so what is behind all these violent protesters? You know, they, it's not like it's just something that, that happened, uh, you know, uh, simultaneously, I guess, is what I'm looking for, or, you know, just showed up and it accidentally happened, it got violent. But no, they said that they planned to be violent. And so who is really behind this? And who is behind Hillary and the globalist people? Um, have you ever heard of George Soros? Now, while there's a lot of globalists, this man seems to have his hand on everything. I mean, George Soros fund, funded uh, a big part of Obama's election, and he also is a big man behind Hillary Clinton. And he also wrote a thing called the Open Border Initiative, where he believes that the world should be nothing but open borders. And if you don't believe me, you just go Open Border Initiative, George Soros, and Google it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And you'll see that all of, where all of these politicians get their ideas 
or it sure seems like they all get their ideas from this one man who, you know, it's also a think tank. But you have to believe that for George Soros, there's so many of these other Illuminati people behind him. And so this is their thing. No border. And if you have no border, then America becomes like the other countries, becomes like America and Mexico gets the, the same. Now, I mean, I'm not trying, I'm not putting down Mexico, but it is not up to par as what the freedoms and things that you have here in the United States. It's not as safe as the United States, or the United States really isn't all that safe right now, but there's the point. With open borders, um, anybody could come in. They could bring anything in. Obama admitted recently, it's been admitted, they're not even vetting the people that come in because they really have no way to vet them. It's just the idea is cram everybody in here. And if we can't get it done, then they won't be able to get rid of all of them. If we can't get it done by the time, it say, it changes to a conservative or a so-called conservative and would shut the border, that these people, um, they're just their, their mere presence here is a danger to us because they don't bring, they don't come in wanting American values. They come in wanting to change America to their values. And I'm talking basically about the Muslims right now because they'll try to change us to Sharia law. And the, is they have more than one wife. And even if they don't have more than one wife, what do they do? They, they don't believe in birth control and they believe in large families. And so they will outnumber us in a short period of time. And then they hope that they'll all vote Democrat in order to keep it going. And so there you do. You lose the keys to the United States. Right now, this thing, this election is so important. You know, we know as a fact that George Soros funds Black Lives Matters and other groups, such as the, the, the violent protests that they had in Ferguson. We found out after the protests in, by the protesters themselves that they were paid by George Soros. Well, they were, George Soros gave the money to a community organizing group to pay them. Um, the group didn't pay fast enough, and so they protested the, the uh, community organizing group. And come to find out, they were supposed to get $5,000 a month. This hasn't stopped. But how is that even legal? I mean, it seems like we're talking about a foreigner, somebody that is, does not live in this country, Back at all these people that have rate that are causing the racial riots, and but yet, you know, it's not illegal. But that's why is it illegal? Just like my wife says, I don't understand why is it somebody arrested over this stuff. Like most Americans think, well, if it's truly illegal, somebody would be arrested. Surely the FBI or somebody would go after him. But the FBI, just like they didn't go after Hillary, the FBI and any the state department, any of the people that are in charge of law enforcement, um, they go by what the president says. And so you don't have anybody that wants to enforce the law. That's why Trump's running on, I'm the law and order president. All we have to do, really, is start enforcing the laws that are here in this country, and America would change dramatically. Dramatically. Anyway, so we know that he funded um, Ferguson protesters and others. So I don't understand why that's even, even legal. You know, we live in such a crazy world. You know, right now, um, Yeshua came from a woman's egg. You know, you realize that, right? Of course, in the garden, you remember, as the story goes, um, 
when it was time to, to give out the punishment, the devil got his first. And her seed is going to crush, you know, was going to crush the devil's head. Well, of course, that's Yeshua. But you realize the great blessing that he gave to the woman before she received her punishment, which all in all, it didn't seem all that bad. But, you know, he, he got her a great blessing that meant that from her seed would crush the devil. And so the devil really hates her. But, you know, a woman, part of her punishment would say that she would, she would have uh, their children in, in great pain. But all that pain isn't just physical pain. That's emotional pain. You ever watched as your, your mother really, maybe not your dad as much, not, nothing down to all of us dads out there, but, you know, women are emotional creatures, and they have such great pain and sorrow over their children. But, you know, that great pain and sorrow is turned into wonderful prayers, emotional prayers, that when emotional prayers were attacked because it shows the faith, they cry out to the Father in this emotional faith, and those prayers are heard. That's Men, you should learn a lesson from a woman's prayers. Yeah, absolutely. Because while we're cutting dry people, they really put emotion into things, and the emotion shows the faith. And so a woman was given actually a beautiful gift. And the devil doesn't like women. He doesn't like it at all. And so now what's going on, um, now they're talking about how these children are going to be able to be made from just any kind of a cell in a man. And really, we're talking about having children without a female egg. Now, yeah, that's possible, but I mean, it's my understanding that the spark of life and the spirit is placed into children when a male sperm hits the female egg. In fact, scientists have recently said there's an actual literal spark when that happens. And the father does that. Would our fathers still do this? Would these children come forward without a spirit? Would there be some, or would there be some kind of other spirit, like maybe that of a fallen angel that would get into these children? I really don't know. I'm not God, and I'm not a scientist. I don't know, but it just doesn't sound right. Does it sound right to you? Is this the kind of world you want to live in? And so these things are going on, even if, and what about war? You know, it says we hear wars and rumors of wars, and, you know, people move along with their business and say, yeah, everything's going on over there in Syria, but, you know, there's a proxy war going on with Syria. Actually, one side of this proxy war is Russia giving armaments and military advice and bombings and everything to the side of the Syrians, which we want to overthrow the Syrians. So we're um, giving guns and ammunition to other people. And some, in one case, that's how ISIS got started, but that's another program. Maybe we'll get Frank on to come and tell us about that sometime. But anyway, um, point is, is that um, it's a proxy war. So Russia and America are already at war. That could change at any moment because of, of stray bombs, and they're already talking about things where it's went over and people have accidentally got blown up or whatever. But the point is, it could escalate into a, not a proxy war, but a war between the United States and um, Russia. You know that America doesn't believe in first strike props, uh, first strike use of nuclear weapons, but Russia does. Russia believes in using nuclear weapons to stop 
escalation of war. In other words, they believe if they start to lose a little bit, you know, then they believe that they can, they're fully able to use nuclear weapons. And so that's we're at a very dangerous, dangerous place. It's been prophesied that Mystery Babylon um, is America and that America would be taken out by a nuclear strike. Um, and it would be Russia and, and some of the other nations. But is that possible? We don't even have to be. We do not even have to be in Mystery Babylon, as these people would suggest. And I'm not saying that we're not. I just don't know, because my Bible doesn't say Mystery Babylon is absolutely America. So I don't know. I'm not the Seth Lord kind of guy when, you know, I might feel as something, but unless he gives me verbalization of it and I see it in writing, I don't want to be in trouble with the Father for that saying, Thus saith the Lord, when it's not Thus saith the Lord. You know what I mean? But anyway, let's go back to that. But America could very well be taken out. In fact, Putin was uh, had told his generals that if Hillary comes in, then it's going to be nuclear war. Now, I've seen this report several times uh, a few months back, and that means because he couldn't work things out with her. And 